<laughs> Welcome to the Fan Freaks Podcast, episode 122. You're listening to the show where we freak out about our favorite movies, games, comics, and any media in between. It is I, James, Dr. Rude Ramos, MD, and I am joined by... It is I, the Bone King! And we are also joined by... Jesus, fuck you too, George. I'm Agent sorry. Agent the Massive Dude of Dooliness, the face of Russ the Place, the host with the most and the most grandose co-hosts. Hello, freaks. Today's show, we're going to be doing a question of the week. What kills a game? That's right. We're going to talk a little bit about what, but that's personal for us. Like, what kind of takes the steam out of a game for us? For you, yeah, essentially. What kills a game? Yeah. It could be for a multitude of reasons. So I feel like we've got yeah, a lot of freaking room to go through in this. Um, I just want to say, hold on, sorry, before we oh. go, because we're right here in the title and I got something I want to say really quick. This is episode 122 of 2022. Yeah. It's our, I don't know, uh, that's neat. <laughs> also, fun fact, uh, two twenty uh, two. 22-22 this year will be on a Tuesday. Oh my god. This is <laughs> this is getting too like oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it begins. But anyway, yeah, before we get into any of this, let's get into our recents. Who wants to start us out? Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead. Yeah. Alrighty. Step up to the plate, so, Doc. I have accomplished something that I have been trying to accomplish since I was but a wee lad. I've never been able to do it. Oh, what? I've beaten Golden Axe before, but only ever on an emulator where saved states were a thing. Mm, sure. This weekend, for the first time in my whole life, I beat a legitimate copy of Golden wow. Axe. There it is. Holy shit. Provi- provided to me by the dude. Yeah. Uh, I beat a legitimate copy of Golden Axe on a Sega Genesis, no save states, no nothing. Do you just carry that around with you? You just pulled that right out. Like, <laughs> Yeah, look, here, I'm going to no, see wait, they're all no. they're lighting my book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now it all makes sense. But... I've got Sega Genesis on this side, here's the Game Boy cartridges over here, and Game Gear and 3DO. You don't even uh, want to know where the 64 I, cartridges are. I would like to are. just preface <laughs> this, this little Golden Axe thing before you continue. So yes. when I went to Dragon Con, he specifically said, Sega Genesis games. I'm like, what? Sega <laughs> Genesis games. Like, I'm, I was going to meet celebrities and shit. No. Sega Genesis games. I'm like, my veins. Right. all right, bro. Called them, and I'm like, listen, they got Golden Axe, they got Sonic. Yes. What? <laughs> yes. All right, bro. Like, fuck. So, yeah. I mean, you have a working Genesis, too. I do. It's right there. So, like, it's head-to-toe um, authentic right now. Yeah, man. No, uh, it, was, it, it felt great. Um, uh, just want to say for the record, I, I grew up with Golden Axe 1. And I love that mm-hmm. game to death, and I'm very happy to hear that you beat it, because I could not. It was so fucking hard growing up. Oh, it, so. it was grueling. Just so you know, I've got multiple Sega Genesis controllers. If you want to come over. Sure. I mean, I may that want shit. that save state, because uh, it may take a long <laughs> time with me. Buddy, I'm just getting used to beating Streets of Rage with no continues, okay? And that game's easy enough. Oh, I've, I, I, I've done that. <laughs> Yeah, of course, everyone has. I'm Man, just terrible fucking... at it. 
that like the Streets of Rage 2 soundtrack lives in my brain rent free. No, no, Streets of Rage in general, all of the soundtracks are just yes. incredible. Agreed, yes. but two specifically sure. for me has like. Oh, that one like super hard techno hit. Oh, man. Do you realize how little this narrows it down? <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, I digress. <laughs> Streets of Rage episode. Look forward to that at some point. Yeah, I'm I'm down for it. Uh, I finished The Witcher season two. Nice. nice. How'd you like it? Uh, solid ending. I was a little eh in the beginning of the season because like we talked about this. It kind of started getting bogged down in its politics. Mm hmm. Yeah, right. there was a lot yeah. less like monster hunting in the beginning. Uh, there was a lot more monster hunting towards the end, uh, specifically when the story started focusing more on just like Geralt and Ciri at Kaer Morhen. Yeah. Mm. Um, and the way it ended was a fucking clusterfuck of cool. Cluster it was fuck kind of, of insane. Cool. How'd you Can feel about that, that reveal? Because you've read the books, I think. A lot of people that have read the books have complained about the reveal. I, I don't know what the complaint is. I mean, to be fair, that's basically how they handled the reveal in the games. So maybe they were leaning more towards that. I don't... If there's a discrepancy, I didn't pick up on it. Guys, uh, as the, long the, the, as they covered the reveal of, of his chest properly, then it's fine. You know what I mean? They did not. Oh, they did. Oh, shit. Okay, never mind. Sorry. Go there ahead, is <laughs> very little like Geralt cheesecake in this season. Because it's like, there's how do people like the there's reveal? There's not it's enough like, Yennefer there, for me. No. Well, there's very little cheesecake at all in this season. Yeah. Like the only nudity we got really was that one scene with uh, all the witchers and the prostitutes. Yeah. You know, that, that was one it. scene with the prostitutes. I mean, compared to last season where we had like, it was like all background stuff. Compared sure, to last sure. season where we had main characters nude mm -hmm. and, you know, like the infamous or the fuck it, the, the, the Henry Cavill bathtub scene. Right. Which the motherfucker dehydrated himself for four days to do. Did not even know that was a thing. Okay. Yeah. Any guy who's like, who's muscle for screen. They do this dehydration process. It's, a, it's basically the same thing that fighters do to get ready for weight day. Oh, yes. Where you drop water weight. But what ends up happening is it dehydrates your skin and it sticks to the muscle more. Mm -hmm. So what happens is it looks great for camera. But what's insane to me is he talked about like by day three, you can smell water when it's nearby. That's interesting. Like your body is so dehydrated that it's trying to tell you, hey, Water now. Hey, but you know what uh, other actor did that exact same uh, dehydration method? Hmm. Um, the lead in uh, Les Mis. I forget his name. But, Hugh Jackman. Uh, Hugh Jackman. Oh. He did it for that movie because he wanted to look like a real prisoner and he was all muscular. Oh, yeah. Hey, but you know what you shouldn't do that in? A musical where you're singing live on set and you can't be <laughs> yeah. dehydrated when you're doing vocal. Like, get out of here. So that was a travesty in its own right. Well, so. I mean, to be fair, they don't actually record those vocals live on set, No, it, on that movie, it was a big selling on point. On they did? They dampened whole oh. sets. They had mats on the floor for when the raining scenes were because they would pick up the noise of the rain splashing on the on the ground. This reminds me of a really cool YouTube video okay. I saw, by the way, of like, sorry, okay. of just like the kind of things that prop departments have to make mm. in order to make quiet props for set. Oh, yeah. No. Like there is a whole like there's quiet uh, 
paper bags that are actually made of like silicone, mm-hmm. but look like paper bags for like grocery scenes. And like ice cubes are actually like rubber and like yeah. just random shit like that. It's really cool. Because Mike's picked that shit up. It was a cool YouTube hole. Oh, yeah, 100%. for sure. What else you got for reasons? Anyway, uh, well, I, uh, just really quick on, on my last point there is I think Witcher probably has to be one of the best adapted works that we've had in terms of like it's a successful book that got adapted into a very successful game series. That is that has also been adapted into what is so far a very successful TV show. Mm, so okay. I think that's that's a, that's a pretty cool credit to have to its name. Yeah, I don't um, think anybody could beat that. So far, no. Uh, I saw No Way Home again. No, of course. How many times is, is your... that for you? Three. Yeah, fiftieth. Three. Yes. Oh, okay. I wish if I had the <laughs> if I had the money, dude, and the the you know the lack of coronavirus. Uh, mm. Then yes, it would be. Um, dude, you know I saw Transformers one in theaters sixteen times. My oh. God, I hope I hope you weren't paying for each ticket. I was not. Okay. Uh, and I also I was in school for a computer you know, for a th- you know a three D artist degree at the time. Um, but still. Uh, anyway, I saw No Way Home again. Uh, I have a more objective look on it. I think. Into the Spider-Verse is a better movie. As a whole, um, yes. Yeah, probably. As a whole. Um, but I can solidly say it is... My favorite MCU movies are uh, Winter Soldier, Infinity War, and uh, No Way Home. In that order. I think I um, agree with you. But in that order, but, I don't know. Okay, that's fair. But I will say that No Way Home is tied with Avengers Endgame for my favorite moments in the MCU. Mm. Yeah, no, I can see that. I can see that. I can't. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but you three can see me, and it's definitely the. No, yeah, well. That's so specific to people who know. That right there is tied with. Cap wielding Mjolnir. Wow. I can't believe you revealed that Cap killed Thor. That's <laughs> fucked up, man. Yes. <laughs> also, I want to clear something up for anyone listening, because I just found that on TikTok, a bunch of people are confused as to why Captain America is able to wield lightning when he's wielding Mjolnir, when in Thor Ragnarok, we found out that the lightning was in Thor all along. Yeah. That's the point, people. The ability to control lightning is a power that Thor has. And Mjolnir's inscription was, He who wields this, if ye be worthy, shall have the power of Thor. So yes, if you wield Mjolnir and you're, and you're worthy, you also get lightning. That's, the, that's part of the package. Captain Thormerica? Uh, yes, Captain Thormerica, exactly. Uh, which is really funny because in the comics, when you wield Mjolnir, you also get a Thor costume. Yeah, like it. It happened to Storm when she wielded it. It happened to Beta Ray Bill. It happened to Beta Ray Bill. Yeah, it happened to Spidey when he wielded it, which was really funny because it was just the Spider-Man suit with like the wings on the side of the head, the cape, and then the weird like pec circles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
We were that robbed. That was the whole costume. You we were robbed that it wasn't yeah. in the movie. We should have got a cap suit. I agree. I'm just saying. But uh, I think that would have been dope. But anyway, because, like, honestly, even when you see, like, Thor, like, he's in, like, whatever you call it, like, Dude Thor, like, Fat Thor, whatever the Dude fucking thing Thor. is called. Jock Thor? No, when he's, like, the tubby Thor. Oh, no. Like, I was thinking the entirely yeah. wrong character. Okay, like, yes. The right. big Lebowski Thor. Yes, yes. And then all of a sudden, he calls down the lightning, and instantaneously, he's got the fucking Viking braids, and he's got his suit back on. So it's a thing that's established in the MCU. So, yes, my point is we should have gotten Captain Thor America. That belly uh, was <laughs> fake as fuck in that movie. I'm sorry. As a guy who knows big guy, knows big guy oh, builds, boy. like that was obviously a slapped-on fat like belly for him. It just looked off. It, I mean, for the record, it's not just a belly, though. He's wearing a full neck-to-toe suit. It still looks weird. I don't think it... it I, I, anyway, okay. we're spending a long time on this. <laughs> and the last thing is... So... I have been playing one video game on and off for about, I don't know, seven years. Hunt? And I haven't beat it yet. Oh. No. Hell no. <laughs> no, because you can't beat Hunt. Right. You can no. beat this game, but I haven't, I haven't done it. It's a mobile game, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a roguelike called Pixel Dungeon. Oh, god! You brought this up uh, before. Uh-huh. I finally got further than I've ever gotten before, which is I beat the third boss no. and then promptly died. Uh <laughs> I mean, I see this in Golden Axe. I'm wondering if you're just a glutton for punishment right now. I, oh, no. 100% I am. Oh, that explains um, Jupiter Ascending, too. Okay. Uh, uh, but yeah, like, but by the way, the version of the game, because this is one thing that makes the game really cool, is that the game is actually open source. Oh, cool. It's like a mobile game that is open source. So there's like actually a bunch of different versions of it of people that have tweaked and balanced the game differently. Yeah. So the version that I play is called Shattered Pixel Dungeon. <laughs> uh honestly, it's a real it's for what for a free game you get on your phone, it's really well polished. Mm. No, I agree. And and, and if you, focusing if, on games that like actually focus on gameplay and not a model, yeah, yeah would be fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, and there's no like there's no like in-app like you can buy like you can pay for the game, like you can buy the game, but there's no like in-app purchases for like items and boosters no, and all right. that shit. It's paced properly on its own. Gotcha. Yeah. It, it's uh, so uh yeah, if you're ever like bored somewhere, you need something to play on your phone, Shattered Pixel Dungeon, have at it. Um, also, I'm still watching Scrubs. I'm in season, at the end of season three now. Uh, that is it for my recents. Who would like to go next? Uh, I'll go if that's all right. I'm that's really, I, for it. I'm a very thin meat patty in this uh, recent sandwich because I got almost nothing. Um, Delicious. I started I reading a book that the bone had get, had given me for, uh, for Christmas. Ooh, he was just yay! giving out literature. That's right. Um, uh huh. He gave me uh, what is it? The Umbrella Conspiracy by S. D. Perry. Yes. Can you wait? Well, mention that it is the Resident Evil novelization, because like the Umbrella Conspiracy could mean anything. <laughs> fucking nowadays, I did not yeah, get yeah, him a yeah, conspiracy yeah. book. It has a foreword <laughs> by Alex Jones. Um, Jesus. <laughs> no, and Jesus. No, it's it's on there. Oh, I see. <laughs> 
so far, I'm by chapter three. Uh, the writing's pretty good. I I kind of feel like George is doing this or giving me this book because of how I felt about Welcome to Raccoon City. Well, so. first off, I said I was going to like, I wanted you to read this way before that movie came out. So it's that's not the it's main true. reason why I gave you that. Right, but the crux of your Welcome <laughs> to Raccoon City argument has been, why didn't they do what S.D. Perry did? First like, off, a lot not, of times you said that. That wasn't the crux of my argument. That was just a comparison as to something you could do. Uh, that My main argument was something else completely, but I'm glad that's what you gravitated to at the very least, because now you're a little bit focused on what's going on here and what could have been done. And I like that. So first off, how do you like the intro and how it handles the beginnings of that story? It's okay. Well, all right. Awesome. I guess, I mean, do, do you want me to be the one to say it or? I mean, it might be a spoiler, but it, it goes more into detail on the uh, the raccoon murders that lead the STARS unit to investigate the Arclay Mountains, which then give us Resident Evil 1. Um, I mean, it's fine. It, it gives, like, I guess, more depth to Jill Valentine because... She befriended two little kids who fucking died. So it's like, ooh, uh, well, Jill it's has really... more motivation than getting out of a mansion alive, I guess. Well, yeah, because it's destroying her community. This is related to all the freaking missing people that keeps popping up in Raccoon City before the events start happening. Like, this is actual lore that is there, and it's not like we're introduced to the kids and they come in and they're new characters in the plot. They're just something Jill thinks about or remembers like this could easily be equivalent, 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 equivalent in a film of just Jill looking at a newspaper no, no, of missing kids or something. You know what I mean? Like, right. This is something translatable. Also, but yes. Also, it's nice to see that Chris has a kind of um, Claire thing from Welcome to Raccoon City, which is he has a friend that works in Umbrella, mm-hmm. can't find him. G- guess what they, that friend's name is? Billy. Billy, and guess who I thought it was the entire time I was reading? Billy Cohen. Yeah, and it's not. <laughs> and no, it it's isn't. really not. I mean, this book kind of like doesn't make Resident Evil Zero happen. Well, because I think at the time of writing this, I don't know if Zero was even out. So like, I don't know, it might have been, but Zero has a book as well, by the way. Yeah, Caliban Cove. No, no, oh, Caliban Cove is Rebecca's side story. And it sounds like a goddamn, like, Goosebumps novel, Caliban Cove. The, yeah. What's behind Caliban Cove? Anyway, um, fucking, no, Zero Hour is based on Resident Evil Zero. So there is a ah. novel if you, of that if you want. But, like, yeah, I'm sorry. Is there anything else you wanted to say before I, like, hijack you? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I'm by chapter three. I haven't finished it yet. It's 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 not, like, a book I could breeze through on a fucking afternoon. I'm just trying mm. to read it. Uh, tune in for that eventual Eagle and Wolf review episode, I guess. Oh, most definitely, because I will totally reread that book just in preparation for that episode. No problem at all. Um, I just, you know, I wanted to mention, you saw the scenes where they go into the star's office and it's just an everyday kind of thing. You know what I mean? Seeing, like, the daytime parts of the Raccoon City Police Department, pretty neat. I don't know. Was there anything else you got for recents? I promise I'll stop gushing about Uh, it. I mean... (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, I made a plan to watch all of Seinfeld and then watch all of Curb Your Enthusiasm for the year. I'm by season two of Seinfeld. 
pretty fucking funny. I think we have a a, a case of verses between you and I, Bone. Oh, because okay. uh, James, as much as you and I agree on Golden Girls, we very disagree on on Seinfeld. Yes, but I could not stop laughing at an episode in Seinfeld. I think it's called the Pony episode, but. Mm-hmm. I told Bone, like, holy shit, I don't know which has better writing, uh, Golden Girls or Seinfeld, because this is, like, really difficult for me, because uh, I mm. think I think Seinfeld is better. But, of course, Bone disagrees, so you might be ha- you might have to be a judge on that versus. Yeah. That's going to be a rough one, buddy. Yeah. Well, because we're comparing two shows there. It's not like we're, we're, we have one topic well, and we're two different opinions on it. No, but I, I my my problem is I have to be impartial. Yeah, he hates uh, Seinfeld for Seinfeld. Oh, damn! Because like mm-hmm. I like Seinfeld. I just happen to think Golden Girls' writing is just like every line just goes right into the next. No, I and Seinfeld I, is performance. It's you know it's how they tell the lines and you know personality right. quirks. Um, I also was playing I guess Grand Theft Auto Three Definitive Edition. It definitively still sucks. No, great. <laughs> um, they didn't fix it? I thought they did. Bro, like, the rain looks better, yeah, but the car physics are, are still fucking incredibly bad. The, um... There's issues where you can fall through the map still. There's issues where Jesus. all of a sudden, uh... What, what... I've had a building, like, just appear before me right when I was walking next to it type of thing. I thought it was like, like I've had that. This game, the whole trilogy that they re-release is really fucking bad, and it makes me sad for the inevitable Grand Theft Auto Four Definitive Edition, because I love <laughs> Grand Theft Auto Four. That, well, that's like my favorite Grand Theft Auto, other than Vice City, and I can't play Vice City if this is the way it is. Well, you'll know when the Definitive Edition is coming out for Grand Theft, Grand Theft Auto Four. When it gets taken off the marketplace, the digital marketplace, then you know yep. it'll be ready. Then the worry start, yeah. starts setting in. Yeah. God, that sucks. Uh, other than it that, moves. man, no, I got a, uh, I got slim pickings on, uh, on recents, brother. So I guess it's All up right. to you, uh, other bun. I'll do my best to back you up. Here we go. So I actually have but a. Rec- we're definitely a hot dog because if it was up to me, the buns are touching. Oh. And I guess, you know, I would be the one <laughs> hugging the wiener in the end. So, either way. <laughs> uh, fucking, well, thanks. Thanks for putting me in a sandbag there, James. I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. Dick. Anyway. <laughs> That's fucking, the point. <laughs> fucking hot dog. You bring in this hot dog metaphor and leave me out to dry. Uh, I actually have a shared recent with uh, Dr. Rude, which I'm surprised you didn't bring up. But uh, I I decided to take up Dr. Rude's offer on playing oh, Portal that's 2. Right. I totally forgot. I'm sorry. Yes, no, don't apologize. Hey, I just wanna I wanna let everyone know. It wouldn't be a doc- podcast if you didn't forget one thing. Yeah, and there you go. But don't worry, and I got you on this one. It was part of mine. It it, it worked. The synergy is here. Mm-hmm. But I'm just wanna let everyone know Dr. Rude is like the best partner I've had in Portal, like, ever. I'm gonna not even going to lie. Like, I, I know that we may disagree on some things here or there, James, on, on how we take some media, and that some doesn't things. matter. Because in the end, <laughs> when it comes to fucking getting the objective done, we were getting them done in record time. 
Like, That's right. You have to understand, I've tried this campaign with like four different people and they always get bored every time. So like James was consistent and actually tried to figure shit out with me. So yeah, Perfect. thank you, Jesus. Also, I'm I'm well. I got I, I didn't forget that in my recent sue is that I just beat uh, Portal One and Two again uh, with my no turret kill. Yeah, which you tried so to I'm do in our run as well. Hey, I did it successfully. Well, we fucked up the first time, but then the game somehow reset itself and we had another yeah. attempt. So I don't yeah. know what happened there, but whatever. But it's okay. None of my progress is registered because I'm player two. Yeah, that's really shitty. Also, what is up with Portal 2's audio system? Like, there's no, like, setting just to turn off the microphone or anything. It was really hard to turn off the fucking auto microphone, even though Push to Talk was on. Yeah, because we were on Discord... But then, like, it had in-game chat, but there's no setting in-game to mute yourself or the other person. Yeah, it, it was very so, like, bizarre. Yeah, so, like, at first we tried to depend on just the in-game chat, but that, because we couldn't talk during loading screens, and it was really annoying. Yeah, it would cut so up a lot. So, in order to mute the two of us in-game, I had to go into the developer console, turn on cheats, and mute player one, mute player two. So bizarre. Like, I, I could have sworn, like, around this time, wasn't Left 4 Dead, like, around this time? And even Half-Life yeah. must have had something like this. Like, a fucking disable push to talk or to disable the microphone in fucking general. Either way, Portal 2 is still a fantastic game. Uh, the co-op campaign is a lot of fun. I didn't realize that it was canon by the way, or canonical. Oh, yeah. So it's part of the story. I thought it was just an offshoot, whatever. And turns out, no, no. that actually does something. And I'm not going to say when it shows up, but it's doing something. And I can't wait to see where that no, goes. No, you can say when it is chronologically, because it, it's fine to say it does take place right after the end of the single player campaign. Okay, but the reason why we exist is a spoiler, though. Yes. So, like, don't ask questions. Just play first player. Correct. <laughs> Do that first. Either way, yeah, for sure. Fun time. Can't wait to continue that. Um, next up, and by the way, we totally did kill each other a couple times. I'm not saying we were just fucking, you know, good little boys oh, yeah. the entire way. We just had fun with it, which is what you're supposed to do. Um, yeah. So, next thing on my recents, I have another co-op playthrough of something, actually. So, for my stream, I had um, a senior brawling Barb send me a message and be like, Hey, so, would you want to do a co-op stream of Dead Rising 3? And I'm like, I mean, I never got to play it because I don't know if you guys know this. I'm just a little quick tangent here. But when Dead Rising 3 came out, it was exclusive to Xbox, like Xbox One, yeah, it was, I think. Yeah. yeah, Xbox One, yeah. Yeah, so it was exclusive to Xbox One for a while, and then it had a PC port afterwards. And that PC port, when it first came out, sucked. Like, it was barely functioning, and you know what? It makes sense. Not, all, not always these exclusive ports get done really well on PC. Um, you, you look Dead, like you Dead yeah, Dead Rising Three. That's not the one with Frank, and that's not the one with uh, Chuck Green. It's a brand new yeah OC main character. Yeah, his name's Nick. Um, he's he's actually really okay. So this is the thing, right? Because of the exclusivity and because of the shitty PC port, I never got to play Dead Rising Three. So by the time I fucking actually got the the ability to play it on my PC now, Dead Rising Four was already out. And I saw the advertising for 4, and it turned me off completely from going back to 3 or 4, because I assumed they were similar in some way. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you think? I don't know. Games in a series. 
Um, but either way, I'm going to Dead Rising 3 and holy shit, like, this is a legit Dead Rising game? Like, I wasn't expecting it, like, it's not a complete fucking farce. The story actually has weight, and there's characters that aren't fucking annoying, and, like, I get it, Dead Rising has always had that campy element, but here's the thing, Dead Rising, you make the camp. The camp was never in the story, or, like, the general setup. Like, you were the one that has to make it campy with what you wear, or fuck, well, okay, when I'm talking about silly camp. I don't know, What man. do you mean? Hold on, what do you mean? First off, the very concept of some of the weapons you use in that game are inherently campy. But you don't know, but again, the story doesn't have that. That's you going out and using those campy weapons. You could play the whole game with guns and actual things that make sense. You're the one that's making it silly. I guess. That's the but that the point is is that Dead Rising 4 took that to the front to the point where it was Saints Row's Dead Rising. Right. Like it was absurd. And it was getting absurd even after, towards off the record and shit. But Dead Rising 3 actually scaled it back and tried to be really like gritty realistic to the point where the color palette is awful. It's all gray and brown and that's it. But beyond <laughs> that, it. it's a giant open world Dead Rising game. There's like counties and it's a city. And instead of like just different stores, it's different shops. And it just works really well in that formula. Plus the co-op is worked into the story as well. Like the character you play as in the co-op campaign is in the story as well. And it's done a lot better than fucking uh, Dead Space 3, where like uh, Carver would just pop in out of nowhere sometimes. I don't know, that was silly as fuck. I'm having a blast with Dead Rising 3. And if you'd like to join us in this blast, uh, you can see it on twitch.tv slash bonkingtv. And, you know, that's with Brawling Barb, twitch.tv slash Brawling Barb. Um, either way, I just want to say we were on the topic of Golden Girls earlier. The day, oh, damn, I guess we should save that for news. But the day that we started playing was Betty White's passing. And fucking, like, I get it. it it's, you know, she was a national treasure and I love her to death. But boy, howdy, that did not stop us from making jokes on Dead Rising 3. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it's just at some point. She's we been were making driving, jokes about her death for the past 20 years. At Jeez, some, it's true. It's fine. At some point, we were driving a hearse, man, with a body in the back. I, I, oh. it, it sets itself. And then the hearse blows up. And then you have to pick up the coffin and take it with you. And I'm like, we've got to get Betty White to the graveyard, dude. The zombies are going to get her. We can't let her get her, man. Fantastic. Well, th thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being mm -hmm. a friend, um, which is what I used for that, by the Should way. Should we segue to news or is that the end of your reason? I mean, um, is that, that the end of your reasons? Yeah, I'm, I'm done. We could totally segue to news. You want to go first? Um, I thought we had an in memoriam part, but should we just oh, knock yeah. it out now? Just rest in peace, Betty White, the goat. No, absolutely. The goat, man. Um, I, only Betty White could have like the comedic timing. To set up oh. the world for her 100th birthday, even have People Magazine put out a cover that celebrates her 100th birthday, and then cut out right before it. Dude. Like, that's that's comedic timing if I've ever seen it. Had to for, be planned. For me, the immediate thought process was, you remember the old newspaper, Dewey Beats Truman and Truman holding uh -huh. it? It was Betty White holding the People Magazine. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, also, really quick, today, uh, Sidney Poitier has passed at the age of 94. 
Whoa. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know he was still alive. And lastly, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, shit, bro. Like, uh, and lastly, for me and for other jocks, apparently, uh, John Madden pass. And yeah. a lot of us owe a fucking generation of sports games to to John Madden. So Was he? Okay, this is, becomes a thing now because I just don't know a lot about this person. I wonder, like, was he? Didn't he have, like, a monopoly on the, the sports games? Or, or is that just strictly uh, what's EA. it? Fucking EA. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I could tell you when it happened if you're interested. What do you mean? When EA came in and ruined everything? Yeah. Okay, when? Really quick. 2006. They signed an exclusive deal with the NFL for the brand. Mm-hmm. And because there was a competing brand, which is 2K Games. Yeah, I was going to say. So 2K Games made arguably the last great football video game of all time, which was ESPN NFL 2K5. Which has Terrell Owens on the cover. That shit was goaded, hundred percent. EA then signed an exclusive deal for not only the NFL but every thirty-two teams, every player, everything had to go through EA, and they've consistently paid close to a billion, if not a billion, for the licensing alone. That's why yeah. there is no other football. I'm sorry, American football video game on the market. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta you gotta clarify. There's other footballs out there, um, there but there's only one true one. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but no, uh, I I don't hate sports games, and I, I always knew that that was a thing that EA had like a monopoly on that, and I always mm. thought that kind of sucked because they never really tried to improve the gameplay of the sports at all. When you find no. Mario over here doing Mario tennis and Mario baseball, and they're doing shit with it, you know what I mean? So I just wrote down the game you suggested, the last good 2K uh, football game. Because I'll play a sports game, but I want it to be a fucking good one. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, uh, I strongly recommend it. If you can emulate it, please do. It's a PS2 title. PS2, Xbox. Oh, I, I, yes. First, ex- first I have to Xbox be able to do title. PS2. <laughs> yeah. Outbreak. It's, it's um, part of the rules. <laughs> uh, but still, I... I absolutely love that fucking game. So WWE has changed uh, something, which I'm sure both of you, at least, and anybody who knows something of wrestling knows. Usually every month, there's a pay per view, right? Yeah, a big blow. Is it every month? Yes. It, it, really? Yeah. When it first started, it was six months. Then it went to ten. Then it went to twelve. And it's become a thing since 1994. Uh, where every every month was a pay-per-view. Oh. This year, they've changed it because pay-per-view okay. is an outdated concept. Yes. We have now started with premium live event. Oh, okay. What? Pay-per-view doesn't <laughs> exist in the WWE lexicon. They are now calling it premium live events. That's the E-L-E. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't feel good. Um, I mean, why couldn't they just go with, like, WWE, an original series or something? Because that's what Showtime is. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Uh, No, I I get you. The the thing now is that everybody can watch. I mean, for the past 10 years, you can watch on WWE Network. So in regards to premium live events and things of that nature, I guess it's all because of, um, well, Peacock. 
They signed a deal with Peacock. So WWE can, you could just watch it there. You don't need to pay extra. So therefore, pay-per-view doesn't exist anymore. Um, what else? Uh, oh, there's a Fallout show that's going to happen on Amazon. Uh, Jonathan Nolan's directing the first episode. And apparently one of the showrunners is a lady who wrote the script for the Tomb Raider movie in 2018 that I did not watch. That's it for my news. Weren't there like multiple Tomb Raider movies as well? No, what? but he's talking about specifically the reboot movie. The one with... Oh, yeah, there were two from Angelina Jolie. But then there was one in 2018 that uh, that came out. There was? That- mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I totally missed yeah, that then. It, it- it was more like the new Tomb Raider games, where it was like a, a less campy and more like gritty action based. Oh, this yeah. the new Square one, yeah. Well, I guess yeah. it was always Square. Was um, I don't know. No, it was Crystal Dynamics. I'd, Idos. Oh, Idos. That's right. Anyway. All right. So that's the end of my news. Uh, what do you got for me, Bone King? Boy, I got a lot for you, dude. Um, so first out of the gate. Uh, I just want to, you know, get the Resident Evil stuff out of the way because, you know, there's always going to be a few of those. Um, But the fan community has been going absolutely crazy. Uh, You know how, like, I I usually bring up some of the mods that come out and it's like, hey, this is a cool mod. Check it out. They did this to Resident Evil 2 or whatever. Okay, so the projects that are coming out are a little bit more than that. It's kind of crazy. Um, first up, we've got, uh, Resident Evil 2 remake and Resident Evil 3 remake in VR. Wait, so, that's a thing? Yo, Dope. so apparently the fans have managed to backwards engineer VR support into the engine of Resident Evil 2 and 3 because it shares the same engine as Resident Evil 7, which uses VR support. Holy shit. Wait, 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 wait. You're going to tell me... The Resident Evil 2. Oh, you're talking about Resident Evil Remake? Yes, the remakes. Two and three. The two and three remake. Right. Oh, yes. okay. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, you okay, were thinking okay, the okay. classics in VR? No, we're not yes. there yet. We've only got Survivor, buddy. Maybe one day. But uh, no, like, it, it's pretty crazy. So I'm looking at the gameplay, and it's first person fucking, like, actual with the hands, and, and you know, you can reload your yeah. gun. It. It's like it was just released a couple days ago, and I have yet to try it, but I fucking can't wait. So there's that, that whole entire well, VR Do product. you have VR? I do not, which is why I'm not able to try it yet. But hopefully oh. one day, and since I played RE4 VR, I feel like there's really a case for me picking one up now. Like, it, there's enough content here where it's totally advisable now. Like, before, mm. when it was just RE4, I was like, nah, probably not. But, like, there's so much here now, it might be worth it Dude, if you have the cash. like, honestly, same. Like, I'm really, like, for all the VR waifus, I mean, for No Man's Sky. Uh- <laughs> Did you see the video of the guy pounding the rubber doll? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> okay, there's there's this guy at a con, and he's got the VR fucking some one of them on. I don't know which one, but he's got it, and he's, like, going to town in, in this con space with this, like, rubber doll, and it's, the camera pans over to what he sees, and it's, like, an anime waifu. It's totally X-rated, and the guy wasn't naked, no. But I'm just saying, like... <laughs> but he's in, like, a convention? Yes, and he's on, in Is it, like, clothes. an anime con or, like, an adult con? It would be the only place where this would happen, James. <laughs> well, can happen in either one of those no is my point. not the anime waifu program it would have to happen at the anime con 
No, I'm saying it could happen at like a porn convention. You think porn conventions have like hentai booths and stuff? Probably, right? They, uh, they absolutely do. I've been there. I need that, to go that. to one already. No, Fuck. I'm sorry. Let me correct that. I've worked that. You've worked. I know you've worked the pole several times. It has nothing to do with this. Oh right yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just think that's incredible. Um, so. The next fan thing for Resident Evil really quick. This one is exciting, but I'm a little bit nervous about it. So the group called Resident Evil Code Veronica Remake is putting together a... Code Veronica Remake. Remake of Crash Bandicoot. Oh, okay, sorry. No, I don't mean to confuse... No, you're right. It was a Code Veronica Remake. So from what they've put out, the, it looks amazing. Like in terms of visuals, like they updated a lot of the models. They It looks like they took RE2 remakes like... Uh, they did. They did well, for sure. They literally did. I, I meant more like art style, but yes, they just took a lot of things from RE2 Remake as well, just full stop. But either way, it seems like it fits in really well. My one issue, not issue, but my like worry is that the combat doesn't look very good. Like none of the enemies really have weight to them. And it seems like the gun doesn't really have any like uh, uh, kickback. And that, that's a really important thing in Resident Evil because you need to be able to like ev evade enemies Recoil. and stagger. I and, just you know, need to know if the if the knife glitch still works. It might, it might actually be even more strong with this. I don't know with how kind of, I'm sorry, it looks a little janky. I'm not gonna lie to you. Look, I'll tell you, it, lo it looks gorgeous, but the gameplay looks a little bit janky. But here's the thing. I'd be like, oh, whatever, they could fix that up, whatever, they've got time. Well, the release date is this year. So they're already putting themselves in a bracket where this is coming out and they're putting out trailers and stuff. And I do not think this is like final uh, version content. I don't know. I don't think it's there just but yet. I mean, but considering it's for free, beggars sure. can't be choosers, right? No, of course. And that won't stop me from playing it. Absolutely. But if you really want this to have the same effect as, you know, to remake, you got to still have that gameplay. So I, I don't know. I, they, they're doing different things. We'll see how they handle it. But here's the other crazy part. So it's not even just that. They're also remaking RE1. Why? I don't know. <laughs> But they're remaking both, and there's already a trailer out for Resident Evil 1 Remake in their engine. So, a thing that we mentioned earlier when you were talking about the S.D. Perry novels, in the trailer, they they show Jill in her Star's outfit from RE3 Remake going through the RPD during the daytime. Huh. So, like, they're doing stuff, and if anything, it's a better adaptation than Welcome to Raccoon City. Oh, anyway, so, um, moving on, that's just the Resident Evil stuff. Uh, we'll see how that fares. Um, oh God, I don't... By the way, I, Welcome to Raccoon City, I think it's a success. Yeah, I, I hope the sequel does better. Though Revelations 3D mm, doesn't give me a lot of hope uh, in terms of yes, video games. compare it to a film that came out about almost 20 years ago. Would you like me to compare it to the Resident Evil sequels? Because, I mean, we, we could do that. <laughs> this is way better than those, so... Let's sure. continue on to this topic. Yeah, so mm -hmm. this is... Uh, I'm, I regrettably have to bring this up. But the president of Square Enix has um, basically said that he is going full in, fucking signing up on the, on the fucking team roster of, of making games around NFTs. Now... We've talked about NFTs on the podcast before, and we've mentioned how right now they are not a, f it's basically a, a Ponzi scheme right now, 
and it could eventually lead into something maybe potential in the future. But as of right now, it is a fucking toxic environment. And I don't think it's ready for that. Um, and I just see it supporting this kind of toxic culture of the crypto bros and all this shit. I'm not going to get into that. But what I do know is that I just see him as a video game company president being like, and this is was in his fucking letter. He was saying that this would create self-sustaining growth in our games because he's not interested in making like an experience or, or art in any way. It's about making a platform that can self-sustain with its profits that it gets through some, like we've already been dealing with a lot of this grindy bullshit and now we're just gonna get, oh, well now we're going even more in for stuff that has real world value. So we have the excuse to make it even more grindy. Square, we've been having a rocky fucking relationship these past couple years and I'm sorry, we're gonna have to call it quits here. I'm kind of divorcing Square Enix. They have nothing of value for me aside from near, and I don't even know how many nears we're gonna get that are gonna be good nears. Like, I don't know. So I'm, they may still put out good games, don't get me wrong, but I'm gonna find it really hard to be hyped for Square if this is the fucking angle they're going with. They really don't give a fuck. And you know what? They're in great company, because you know who else is doing this? Who? Just take one guess, and I- EA. Konami. That is correct, Dr. Rude. Konami is shipping out their Castlevania NFTs. So that is the of thing. Of course they are. Yeah, no. So when you're in that company, you gotta really wonder what fucking business practices you're doing. I don't know. Damn, I, I thought EA would have done that first. Dude, they would totally. The only reason they haven't is because they got bitch slapped by Disney for the fucking loot boxes. Now they're all scared to do anything. So like, but they'll still do it. Give them time. They'll do it. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of this. And I just wish Square would focus on making, you know, gameplay and experiences. That'd be great. Um, moving on. Last bit of news. And this is my last of my meets. Um, if you've ever said, hey, man, I have a brand new unique story for, you know, the Winnie the Pooh universe. This I got a oh, brand yeah. new story and I want to make it my own. Well, good news, buddy. Winnie the Pooh is in the public domain. Can't use the red shirt. Can't use yeah, just don't put a red shirt on him and you're fine. <laughs> the one thing you can't you can't do the Disney specifically, but totally the character is up for grabs now. So write out your porn fanfics, put him in there with Sherlock Holmes and Frankenstein, go for it. <laughs> I also think you can't use uh Rue. Oh, everyone else in the supporting cast besides Piglet and Tigger, now that I think about it. No, no that's Rabbit not there? true. No, Rabbit does have an original Rabbit, analog. Christopher Robin, uh, Owl, all of them are all part of the original uh, oh, story. Oh, I didn't know they all had original analogs. Okay. Uh, I don't know if Kanga is, but I know for a fact, I'm pretty sure Rue is not. I know that fucking, uh, that new... Um, Goddamn OC Mary Sue character elephant that was added that one those few years ago. He's not a Mary Sue. It's the the self-insert character for Winnie You're the Pooh. You're talking about the the, hef the heffalump dude. Wow, and you remember the name. Thank you. Um, I love the heffalumps. I love elephants. Hashtag I love the heffalump. Yeah. <laughs> all right, but that's all I've got for news. So what do you got for me, Dr. Rude? Okay, so I'm gonna try to speed round some of these. Um, the Blue Beetle star, uh, the guy who's playing Blue Beetle in the uh, in HBO the movie, series. In the yeah, HBO series. Sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, Zolo Maridueña has officially tried on his costume. Says it's awesome and might be one of the best looking suits they've made so far. Of Obviously, course. he's biased. Yeah. 
But still, it's cool that we're at that point. Uh, continuing with the DC news, uh, Ben Affleck has come out and said that the Flash movie features his favorite scene that he's ever filmed as Batman. Okay. All right. Which is cool, but it also uh, he also doubled down on the fact that he's done as Batman. I was going to say, like, oh, this is the best scene I've ever done for Batman. It was my last. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now I don't have to do it Um, anymore. That's why I love it. Also, though, uh, the future of DC in general, but specifically like DC productions is in a really weird place right now. Um, when has it not been? No, uh, Warner Brothers, or rather the company that owns Warner Brothers, AT&T, AT&T, thank wow, you. Nice. Isn't sure they want to renew their partnership with DC. Hmm. Here comes Disney. Uh-huh. Buying up Disney. And we know for a fact that they're trying that they're that the Warner Media wants to sell the CW, which is where all the DC shows live. So, like, the future of DC Media is in a really weird place. And it put, I'm not saying this is going to happen, and I don't think this is going to happen, but potentially it does leave a space for Disney to come in and swoop up DC also. They would, which would be. Fucking what? Well, the only thing preventing that is J.K. Rowling. <laughs> How? Because if they buy if uh, if they buy this per- this portion of Warner Media, they also own the rights to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. How does that work? It's a fucking crazy ass contract. But yeah, they own the rights to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, and uh, that creates a whole other. Uh, can of worms and dealing with JK. Uh, moving on. So a lot of talk around this w- was happening when the movie first came out, but we actually have real observable data that proves that Black Widow lost money because of its Disney Plus release. So Scarlett Johansson's vindicated. We move. Yeah. Okay. Disney, the Disney Plus release allowed for perfect pirating of the movie, (laughs) meaning a perfect copy of the movie was available on pirating websites. And it costs an estimated, I think it's $600 million potentially. Well, look, I still think, okay, because that's the theater experience you're paying, you know, that that would avoid that whole thing, right? Because they put out a perfect copy. I don't, I don't think putting out like me personally, and I have a very weird opinion on pirating in general, but like um, 40 million, just putting it out Sorry. there, I don't think is a bad thing, but they did miss out on the people who did want to see it in a theater, which is a sizable amount. So, well, assuming see for people like you and I, the theater experience is a thing, mm. but for a lot of people, just a decent copy of the movie is good enough. Right. I guess. So, no, like we had there is observable data now that this release definitely cost the movie money. Isn't that also the same argument to be made for Matrix 4? How it bombed financially and yes, people have been using, oh, it's because of HBO Max. Everybody watched it on Max instead yeah. of going to the theaters. But yes, we just don't have any real data for that yet. Hmm. Um, okay. But we have like. We like based on just traffic from like the top torrenting websites, 
we know that like the movie was downloaded more than 20 million times. You multiply that by the price of a movie ticket and go to town, man. Never mind the variables of how many people watch that pirated copy versus one person per ticket. It's a whole thing. It was just an instance uh, because of these new channels. It was just very easy to do it. So the skill level of getting it done was put very low. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, that's the reason why this because I, I, I don't want to put in emulation and and like, you know, doing that stuff with video games because it's it's not the same. I feel like it's kind no, of different it's not the same. in a lot of different areas. So, yeah, sorry. Um, uh, Morbius was has been delayed again. Uh, due to an Omicron surge. This is like the ninth delay, isn't it? Yep. This movie has started production before No Way Home did. That's always a good sign. To, That's always to great. give you an idea. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um. In other news, uh, Mike Judge, if that name sounds familiar to any of you, he's the creator of Beavis and Butthead. Okay. Has officially released art. For Beavis and for the new Beavis and Butthead movie on Paramount Plus, I guess it was a matter of time, right? Yeah, and they look awful, and I love it. Yeah, they're middle aged. They yeah, like they're aged like correctly, like as if the right amount of time has passed. And boy, does Beavis look like shit. They both look like shit, but man, they look like shit, and I'm here for it. It looks I just, great. I hope they do something with it, because that's that's a common thing now, is to just, hey, bring yeah. back the old cast, but they're older now, and you can do something yeah. with that, but just let's hope they do. Yeah. Well, on that note, in terms of uh, bringing people back, uh, one of our buddies, Garrett, posted a picture of this, and it kind of, I, I thought it was really cool. It's a picture of uh, Cal Dodd, in the recording booth, recording his lines for X-Men 97. Cal Dodd is the voice actor for Wolverine. Oh, cool, bub. The orig- yeah, exactly. So it's a recording. It's a picture of just him, you know, a few weeks ago in the recording booth, recording his new lines for Wolverine. I think that's pretty cool. Hmm. That's pretty fun. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was trending on Twitter again. Oh, uh, why? Because... Well, after the introduction of the multi, now that the multiverse is thoroughly established in the MCU, uh, Agents of Shield fans are ma- are there like it's a call to action to bring the Agents of Shield back into the fold of the MCU via means of the multiverse. Hmm. Which you know, I'm down for it. I- I'm here. Like I-, I, I've, I've in other, in other avenues, I've openly discussed my distaste at how actively Marvel seems to go is going to like make uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. not canon. Like they're using story elements that they didn't need to use when they could have just left it ambiguous. Yeah, Uh, that's another thing. I agree with that. Like if you're going to want to change things, you don't need to be so like blunt force trauma. You could literally handle it a lot more classy. I don't know. Uh, So, you know, whatever whatever that just uh, summarizes I everything just, anymore you know just whatever. yeah and then i'm just gonna wrap it up with some spider-man news um we couldn't get him to admit to being in the movie before the movie came out but now and this is a bit of uh this is gonna be spoilers but there's gonna be some minor spoilers here for no way home folks so if you've managed to avoid any form of media since the movie's come out and somehow you still haven't watched it yet skip ahead a little bit double tap but, that 15 seconds 
Yeah. Andrew Garfield can't stop talking about being in the movie now. <laughs> mm, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's also shared like fun little anecdotes, like how both Tom Holland and uh, Tobey Maguire are actually really jealous of his. Because as it turns out, uh, Tobey Maguire needed a new suit for this movie. Mm-hmm. But the suit that uh, Andrew is wearing is the same suit that he wore in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Hmm. Uh, and both Toby and Tom were jealous of the fact that his suit has built-in zippers around the hands that let him pull his hands out of the suit to use his phone or whatever he needs to. Ah. Meanwhile, both Toby and Tom are here using their noses on their smartphones <laughs> to make it work. Makes you wonder why uh, he has those kind of gloves to begin with, huh? By the way, yeah, right? But uh, through that, I also found out something interesting about like way back in the production of the first Spider-Man movie, the first suit that Toby wore was so form fitting that he had to be sewed into it at the beginning of every production day. Jesus Christ. Yeah, man. I think Uh they did that with either Nemesis or Pyramid Head in the movies where they had to have the actor and then like fucking wrap it around him. Just to keep it on him. That's interesting. That really is. That is the end of my news. We will catch you freaks after the break. Yes, and I think that break will be very much deserved because when we return, we'll be back with our question of the week, what kills a game? And boy, do I have a lot of them. So prepare yourself. Hello, everyone. This is the masterful dude of doodliness, the face that runs the place, the host with the most, Adrian Mikewes, and you're listening to the Fan Freaks podcast hosted by the Fan Freaks Facebook group, the home to all freaks and all fandoms alike. Join us at F-A-N-F-R-E-E-K-S Fan Freaks Facebook group. Be there, be square. Hey, freaks. Dr. Rude here. Have you enjoyed this free trial of this episode so far? Then go ahead and buy our season pass to enjoy full length the full length episode and downloadable content available on our Fan Freaks game launcher. Available on iOS, Android, and Windows devices. Absolutely. And don't be afraid to spend your hours earning 60 freak tokens to earn your freak boxes immediately afterward for a one in six chance for achieving a freaky NFT token. And it just keeps going and going and going. Isn't God this is fun? dead and we have killed him. <laughs> This is content. <laughs> Welcome to our platform. Obey, obey, obey. Consume. Uh, hey, freaks. Yes. <laughs> hey, freaks. Uh, welcome back. We're going to go ahead and dive right into our episode. Uh, it's our question of the week. What kills a game? Oh, uh, yeah. This is a very open-ended, and obviously that is a quick and a very obvious way to kill a game. All the things we've just mentioned. Uh, do, do we just want to jump in and start with that one, since we've already brought it up? Sure. Okay. Let's do it. Because, like, the per- It's worth noting, mm. this, the full, this full discussion, this topic, is probably going to take place over recurring episodes, meaning there'll probably be a part, a part two to this episode oh, at some point. Redux is inevitable. Because Absolutely. This episode, this is a topic, man. This can go on and on and on and on and on. I would also like to preface. Oh yeah, no, it's here to stay forever. <laughs> um, but no, this is this is a thing that I want to say actually before we start because I know someone's gonna be like, well, I don't have a problem with this because these are things that kill a game for us. So right. again, like I know someone's probably gonna defend microtransactions because there's always someone out there. But um, yeah, this is for us specifically. So yes, we alluded to this. I, I find that just 
the main reason why I find that microtransactions kill a game for me just from the get-go is that it just kind of removes the pacing of it because you're no longer pacing yourself on the gameplay experience. It's how long you are engaged with the product and that right. becomes how the game is paced. It doesn't have to happen. And some games do have somewhat okay microtransactions. It's rare, but it's there, I guess. Hey, that rhymed. Um, rare rare has microtransactions? No, rare doesn't have games, <laughs> period. No, I'm sorry. Oh, um, <laughs> e Either way, I, I wanted ukulele, man, to be good. I, I, I did like a couple uh, minutes no. of it, but it wasn't super great. Music, anyway. I uh, know. Does anyone else have something to say? Because I'm just saying the pacing gets fucked, just from straight up. I have well, I have a oh, contradictory opinion because there's a few instances where it has worked to my benefit. For example, my old PS4 died and then I had to get a new PS4, but I didn't want to spend all that time uh, getting S ranks for Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 to unlock all the unlimited ammo stuff. I just wanted to play the shit, but because my old thing died, I still have the platinum, but I don't have the, the save data. So what I did was I bought the the two dollar unlock everything yeah, thing that they no, have. Yeah, no, that's different. You're just unlocking like content that's already there and can be unlocked. We're talking about building your game around a currency system. Like there's there's no in game Resident Evil umbrella tokens. Wait, there was in Resistance. I'm sorry. Um, oh shit. Yeah, no. So and and umbrella boxes too. It's all sorts of fun. Um, but like that kind of shit, that is just like speed up unlocks. And while some people kind of scoff at it, that's totally legit. I'm talking about like, hey, in order to really get to the point where you're really enjoying the game, you need to get to this level and grind this many hours to earn this currency for a chance to get something. And that's not what you're describing there. You know what I mean? All right. I, I, I can see exactly where you're coming from because Battlefield used to have this where Battlefield had classes, and in order to unlock everything that pertained to those classes, the certain guns, the certain gadgets or whatever, there was a way to either rank up completely and max out that that class, or you could spend $10 and have N-class N, uh, N gear as a starting level one guy. And it was always like, what the fuck? Why? Yeah, that's kind of weird. Why are because... you rewarding somebody that pays more money than me that has spent time and energy on this? Well, see, notice that that's a multiplayer game. You know what I mean? Like in that kind of format, I don't think microtransactions really work outside of like cosmetics and like shit. And even then there's severe FOMO and shit that people are going to want to be a part of and end up spending a shit ton of money anyway. But like, mm. that's a multiplayer game, you know? So that's totally pay to win in a way. Oh, I have the best gear because I paid for it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, that's that's right. I mean, that was the whole thing with Battlefront 2. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying- Sorry, yeah. I have a little bit too much multiplayer focused on my things that kill a game. That's okay. Dude, there are so um, many things that can kill a multiplayer game. It's, it's double exposure for multiplayer, so. And just my, my two cents on the whole microtransaction bit is it has, it well, it did and has created an odd relationship between video game creator and consumer. And mm. it's not a healthy one. No. Uh, and it's, and I feel like when it's, when it's present in a game and 
when so like for example there's definitely a person it appeals to and it there's a certain youth associated to it i think like for mm. example let's talk about like fortnite for example mm-hmm. or even grand theft auto online but uh fucking oh my god when i worked for xbox i cannot tell you how many calls i got per day of parents calling because their fucking 10-year-old stole their credit card and bought a whale card for fucking GTA Online. And that wouldn't even be... Why the fuck is your 10-year-old playing GTA Online, lady? Well, yes. It's neither here nor there. No, but I mean, like, but in that case, that wouldn't even be necessary if the gameplay was paced enough of itself to where you could earn the money and fucking do it. It's on purpose. Yeah. It is on... Well, yes, of course it's on purpose. But that's my point, is it creates that relationship. And when you are aware of that relationship... That like honestly, wh- when I played Fortnite, I didn't hate the game I was playing. Like I understood the elements here that I would find a ton of fun. As- and never mind, like now Spider Man is in the fucking game, which is crazy to me that Fortnite has better web slinging than the Avengers, the Marvel Avengers game does. And <laughs> has Jill and Chris, so it has a reason for me yeah. to give a shit. Not kidding. It's true, but. So like I under like there is a part of Fortnite that I thoroughly believe I could enjoy, but cooked into or rather in the very DNA of the game, there is this observable quality to it that lends itself towards that toxic relationship that turns me away from it altogether. Like almost like a business under the game itself. Like obviously it's a business in the game, but you All get that that's business, the co- yeah. but you get that that's the core because you can see that everything centers around the business side as opposed to the experience yeah. first. And that's a big deal yeah. in an art form, I feel. I agree. <laughs> Jeez, um, we start out with a bang, dude. This is a fucking <laughs> Yeah, I know. Uh but uh, so where, where do we want to go from here? Because we have so many avenues. I know. I have like so many highlighted ones. Just let me know and I'll bring one out. I have so many. Can well, I? Can I'm I get a quick oh. one out. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. You go. You go. I can get a quick one out of the way because I, I, it's not going to involve too much discussion, I don't think. And it's I have one very specific example just because it's the most egregious. Mm-hmm. I've already talked about it on the podcast, so I'm not going to get too far into it. But the ability to make choices in games can be a big deal in terms of improving your, like, immersion in a game. Right. And exploring the moral outcomes of your choices can also greatly increase your immersion in the game. Like, if you do something sinister and the game shows you the, like, the repercussions of what you've done... That can be a real moment for you of introspection of like, fuck, I am a monster. I'm sorry, am I not playing a role-playing game? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nothing will break my immersion more than when that moral dilemma is forced upon you, not by choice. And then the game tries to make you feel bad about what they forced you to do in yeah. the first place. Fix our problem feel, that we set up This feels for you. like you talking about Last of Us 2. It is. Yeah. <laughs> That's just the most egregious example. I can name a few others. It but happens in, Last in Mass of Us Effect a, as well a few times. 
What do you mean? The, there's some things that are just dropped in the deep end and then they're just like, oh, well now you have to suffer the consequences of something that you should have actually kind of solved. I'm talking about a specific thing, like, but there's a lot of things that happen at the end of Mass Effect 3, like side quests. We can just, talk. Yeah. We oh, okay. You see? Sure. Yes. We could talk, but that's not, but even then, that's not the same thing as this. Okay. Because in this, they force you to do a very specific thing. Mm hmm. Okay. And then, literally, as soon as you do that, look, I'm going to tell you, they force you to kill a character. I'm not going to say who, but they force you to kill a character. Mm hmm. And then, immediately after that scene, you then switch to a character perspective where you get to know that character you just killed and love and appreciate. Like that serves no other purpose other than look, you killed this 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 person, yeah, yeah. this character, and look how good they are. Guilt look, look at what you did. Yeah. Look at what you did. But no, I didn't do that. You made me do that. You didn't give me a choice to not do that. You get me? Like oh, that like I do. <laughs> it's a it's a very fine line between the difference of like morality only like exploring the moral implication only matters if that was a choice. It, when you try to guilt the player for something they didn't choose to do, it is so immersion breaking. And it broke the experience of that game for me. It's it's the reason I've said The Last of Us 2 is the best game I will never play again. All right. And that's part of the... That is the main reason for it. It's that narrative function of, like, corrupting morality against the player. Like, that's not good storytelling. And, like, I buy... I play games to be immersed in them. And to take such a sharp action to break that immersion, go fuck yourself, Druckmann. <laughs> uh, well, if, if I may continue, since this is the topic, and like, it's funny because when I think about games that do this, I have an example of a game that does the inverse, where it guilts you for killing someone that you didn't kill. <laughs> oh, and then treats what? like your character is some sort of murderer the entire time, but he's never done that. Um, is this Silent Hill Downpour? This is Silent Hill Downpour. Oh. <laughs> um, and I'm so fucking annoyed because this is, it actually piggybacks really well with what you're bringing up here. Because mm -hmm. that game keeps telling you what like your moral decisions are. And this isn't what I chose. In fact, nothing I choose gets reflected in any way. The game gives you two decisions. Out. This really isn't a spoiler because I'm not going to say who it is. But it's Go for it. you have the choice between letting someone die or not twice. And it's a different person each time. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to decide like your ending and what kind of person you are. But guess what? No matter what decision you pick, that person dies either way. Like... I don't know what to tell you. And it's just so, like, what was the point of me making a decision at all? And you know what? It's not even a spoiler because the game just pops people in and back and forth. There is no rules. It keeps changing. And that's another thing, like, I guess tied with that, where it's just like, establish your rules and don't try and flip it against me if it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Downpour had that as well, and I was not a big fan. Dude, what do you think about uh, the plot plotting against you? <laughs> I kind of hate, um, so this is something that killed this game for me. I haven't finished Persona 5 and I don't see I'm going to. <laughs> uh, just because the game forces you down a very specific uh, road of limitations, so to speak. I don't have uh, 
games that come to mind that you guys have suffered with with this uh, limitation on hey, don't make me feel bad for doing something you made me do yeah. type of thing. I don't I don't have that. I don't unfortunately I don't have those experiences. I what I do have is when the plot tells you, hey, you're tired, go to sleep. No, but I <laughs> I got to do stuff. No, 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 You're no. You're done and playing because you missed stop. that, And because you missed that, you will have to restart the whole fucking thing again from your last save just so you don't miss it. And it's like, no, but I, don't, don't railroad me. Stop railroad. I want to do stuff. You promised this wealth of opportunity, but you don't. You don't give me. No, we don't have time for that. We need you to read a text message summarizing everything we just talked about. <laughs> Which happens after every story event. Fuck me. Yes. <laughs> even even if you do the fucking palace early as fuck and you finish it so you could be clear of it, they keep reiterating about the palace. And it's like, it. I've already done that. I can't go back to it. Why are you keep talking to me about this shit? Bro, I, I don't in that regard. In terms of just like placing I hope that. this isn't a spoiler. But I completely kept skipping all the cutscenes of dialogue in the uh, the beach road trip thing. Well, it's filler. Field trip. It's filler for sure. Right, but you know this game I thought would be a game shouldn't have fucking filler. Well, okay, hold on, because now we're dipping our toes into the realm of JRPG. And there's and even in in Western RPGs, there's filler. It's just RPGs they. They use a lot of filler around their central gameplay to sort of build that world. But no, your criticism still is totally valid in terms of how often you're in it. Like, there's not a, a, an even balance of gameplay and story, and it's very one-sided a lot of the time. I totally agree with you. Well, you could argue filler as well is endless collectibles in fucking open world games as well. That's all filler. That's like, Ubisoft. <laughs> that's that's literally every Far Cry game almost, isn't it? Go, climb no, up this tower Assassin's to unlock Creed? everything. Assassin's Creed oh, as well. Oh god, fucking Creed. I mean, to be fair, they Creed. kind of got rid of the towers in Far Cry 5 and they even made fun of the towers thing. But uh, yeah, they do that though. And they do that also he brought it up. Creed. Creed does that so much where you have to and then do the test of faith whatever Assassin's it's a, Creed. oh right 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 the ass ass leap Creed. of faith yes yeah what what did i say I no said Creed. i i was like faith. when did rocky come into the picture i don't like i was just or, no or test of faith band. where you jump off the big tower to go yes. into the yeah, now i know what the you hay mean. bale whatever you just said creed yeah. so i was just confused maybe i talked too fast anyway um yeah, I fucking think all of that is filler. Like the only one that was really good about about filler in some way was like Witcher 3, which had side quests that had really good stories from beginning, middle, and end. And these were side quests, you know? I just realized Assassin's Creed, yes. in order to yes. fill out the map, you needed to get uh, Altier and you needed to take him higher. Sorry. Oh my god. Fit it in god. there somehow. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. And that's how you fill out the right. map. Continue. We're switching this episode to what kills podcast for you. Uh it's just Bone King. We're done. Yay! It's the Bone King. Uh anyway. So 
my my so that's my point though and i and i think that even that plays into it it's if your goal and i think this is especially if you're writing like any kind of story driven uh game your goal should be to immerse your player right so it's weird to me how many games actively seem to do things that break that. Mm -hmm. And like, again, for me, that's the number one thing for me. Like video games are escapism for me. Well, well hold on, because there's a difference between like immersive. I'm that. Well, no, look, I'm not going to tell you how you play your games. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there's two different kinds of immersive. There's immersed in the gameplay mechanics. And then there's I'm immersed as the character. You know what I mean? Like there's different ways you could talk about immersion. So what do you mean? Like. Or both. Both. Okay. So both. Yeah. All right. Because, like, you yeah. can get immersed in, like, the story as a character, or you can get immersed in just the arcade gameplay of a game that's more arcade You know sure. what I mean? So. Yeah. But in both cases, anytime a mechanic breaks that immersion, like, that's such a sour moment. Because if mm. you got in the zone and you were there... And you were deep in your immersion. That's that's that'll that man. Like I said, well, the, there's a lot of ahead. ways to break immersion. You know what I mean? And even even the dude's example of just having these open, like big, empty, open worlds with some just random collectibles out in the wild. Like, mm. yeah, it's I get there. They want you to explore the map, but that's not you immersively choosing to explore the map. You're doing it because they're telling you to, and you have to hit all these spots like it's a fucking job. Every now and then, you can have well-placed things. A great example of this, by the way, of a game that does it right, is Banjo-Kazooie. That game is full of goddamn collectibles. In fact, that's the central gameplay of that game, is getting the Jinjos, the mm -hmm. Honeycombs, the jig Jiggies. Uh, I, I was almost calling them Jigsaws, but that's we're not talking about Saw today. Um, either way, like you can pace in collectibles, but the dude's right where if you just have this giant empty world and go, go run for 20 minutes and may then you'll get one. And it's like, this is just in intense filler. I agree. Yeah. Next uh, time. Dude, or? go, uh, what, uh, what's another thing that, that peeves you off? What grinds your gears yeah. in a game? I think one of the things that should be mentioned when talking about an online game Ooh, is its okay. community. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we all grew up in the uh, quote-unquote live chats of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 lobbies where there was a lot of words that didn't need to get said. I learned so much about my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, man. Um, and I think now this this was a thing that killed games for me because like I was playing Insurgency and I was really liking it. But when I played by myself, the fucking entire chat was either doing the let me get a oh, yeah, oh, yeah, or doing the fucking like, bro, you guys can't fucking defend shit. You bunch of fuck, you know. And then just expletives all all day. What about With my no? What about no, my favorite? Though? No criticism. What? What about my favorite? The music blasting on some speakers in the background. Oh my god! <laughs> or the guy that's just breathing into the microphone. Hi Ken, but the guy breathing wow. into the microphone <laughs> that and just like bro. you could literally hear their fucking lungs work, bro. I don't need to hear that. Mm -hmm. um, Those were the days. Those were the days. I fucking, I'm kind of glad they're almost gone though, because nowadays, 
No, but that's if you play publicly. Oh, that's true. But if you yeah. if you harbor a little community now, which you can do with Discord, which you could do with uh, the PlayStation party system and the Xbox party system, where you're like, I only want to play with these people. I'm going to play with them only. If they're not on, I don't need to play this game with a bunch of randoms mm. that are just going to fucking talk shit about my mom and or dad. Yeah, no. So to piggyback from that, um, James has brought up this game before, and this is a prime example of a game series where this happened, um, where the community is kind of the reason why I just was turned off from it forever. And it was League of Legends. And I know that he wanted me to watch the show, and I know it's unrelated, and I, I will check it out, because if it's really good, it has nothing to do with the game besides just story stuff. Why not? However, nothing can describe the experience of being in a public room of League of Legends. It was like... Oh, yeah. It was horrible. It was like literally being in like... You know, uh, it's like a roast. You know when they used to do roasts of celebrities? You just walk in uh -huh. and it's like, bro, fuck me for trying to learn how to play the game. And that's a good way to just have people stop. Like, even if we did the solution that you're saying where, oh, I only play with people on Discord or whatever. You need a certain amount of people to do it. And if you did get a rando, they'll just shit talk you in the chat. Like, they will stop playing to type out shit against you. I, I honestly, I, I assume it got better since then, but like, it's pretty fucking rough. And that's a eh. good way to kill a franchise for me, or at least. For oh, me. yeah. Dr. Rudy? But you have to. So uh, a lot of that, a lot of that seems to to hinge on the community, right? Because we're talking about like toxic communities and how it can uh, like, ham uh, like interfere with our enjoyment of a game. Mm -hmm. But you have to wonder what role the developers play and cultivating that toxic community mm -hmm. because not all online games have it you get me like yeah. there has to be a certain level of culpability in the hands of the developers where like they are actively allowing this toxicity to, to grow in their fucking community and look i'm going to give you an example uh, of a game that we talk about on this show ad nauseum uh hunt showdown mm. It's a much smaller game. However, compared to literally when I've played any other online game, the amount of hate messages that I've gotten playing Hunt Showdown are significantly lower. And I'm much better at this game than any other online game I've played, mm -hmm. which means I'm killing way more people in this game, so I should be getting more messages. And not only that, like... I haven't played any other game where I've been in a situation where, like, they've killed my teammate, I've killed their teammate, and then I hop in a voice chat and I'm like, hey, how about we both just stop shooting each other, we res our friends, we each take home a bounty, and we get out of here. And they're like, yeah, sure, cool. Well, because the and game like, is based around that kind of like, you don't want to waste the resources you have and dying is a big deal. So it kind of factors exactly. into like, yes, we can actually make trades because we have things to lose. I actively tell them, how about everybody lives and we all take home something? And they're like, yeah, sure, that works for me. Yeah, um, not as easy as that. But isn't like, it great when games give you that choice? Yes. That option? Yes, That's for sure. It's For it's, sure. It's incredible when games take that away, I feel. Because you were saying that, like, so, like doc, uh, Dr. Rue brought it up. It's like there are games that actively combat toxicity in the community, and there are games yes. that actively promote it and actually enable it in a lot of areas. And it's it's like, 
it helps them sell numbers because they know that people start getting like playing for longer hours and because they want to get good and not be fucking yelled at. But is yeah. that really worth it in the long run? Whenever you fucking talk to your community, they fucking hate you. Like Dead yeah. by Daylight starting to fix some stuff, but that community is pretty toxic, too. And I mean, even some single player games have toxic communities, too, in terms of like in Resident Evil. I'm sorry I had to do this, everyone. But Resident Evil's community is a little bit toxic as well, just because there's so many ideas on what a Resident Evil game is. Well, yeah. right. I mean, to be fair, anything that that reaches a certain level of fandom is going to have a toxic portion no, of its absolutely. community. This, That's the true franchise for is, anything. The franchise is giant to the point where it's changed Enormous. genres over the years. So it's accrued right. multiple fans that are all fighting over what the franchise should be overall that all like different yeah. parts of it because it's been so many different things for so long. So like, that's a difficult part, but it is still a little toxic, but at least it's not actively cultivating it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So who else has got the, and like the, the, well, the really quick, just the, the word cultivating is absolutely the right word here. Yeah. Cause it is reaping what you sow. <laughs> if you take the time and develop a positive community that positive community will sustain itself. Correct. But if you don't, if you don't take the time and you don't develop and cult and and you know sow a, a positive community, it rots from the inside. And that's when you get a community like League of Legends or even like most of the top shooter games have to a very large toxic element. Fortnite uh, has a huge toxic element. Yeah, exactly. I really wonder if there's a conversation about toxic video game communities, because I, I wonder if Warner Brothers totally feeds into that because of their fucking FOMO with all the unlockables and shit. I could see people being weirdly elitist over like, oh, I'm sorry. You want to talk about unlockables? Oh, yeah. Can, can we talk about what kills a game for oh, me? Oh, yes. having to spend an additional 40 fucking dollars on a fighting game to make sure I have everything. Yay! Remember when you oh. could unlock fighting game characters on the fucking game? Uh-huh. Yeah. I remember that. No, no Capcom yeah. says no. Capcom says no. Didn't happen. Injustice says no. Mortal <laughs> Kombat says no. Street Fighter says no. But of course, Street Fighter's always done that shit. That's money on We're the table. We're going to re-release the same fucking game over and over again. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sorry. The title has a new word in it. Excuse you. It's true. It's a different game. <laughs> it's Super completely Street different. Super Street Fighter 2 Ulta Turbo Omicron. Bro, I can't believe Street Fighter 4 has like three different editions and one of them's the arcade edition. Fantastic. Good mm. job, guys. Um, but no, yeah. I, I, I do agree, but that that feeds a little into like the earlier conversation we were having of like look. Microtransactions. I, pacing around uh, microtransactions, yeah. I get it. Video games are a business and the goal of every business is to make money. That is true. I understand. However, <sighs> Video games are also an art form. There you go. And for me, like, you run your business however the fuck you want, Capcom, fine. But for me, as a consumer of art, as someone who enjoys and absorbs art, I need you. I also don't want you to go broke just to make, like, the most art house video game ever made. No, I want your people to get paid. I want your company to be successful if you're making a product that I enjoy. Yes. Period. However, I also expect you to be intelligent enough to understand that there needs to be a balance between earning money and serving the art form. 
You need to find that balance. I'm not a. I'm not the business guy. As you the are consumer, the consumer. Yes, can't you, it's out. not yeah. your responsibility to choose how they pace their game. A hundred percent. Exactly. And in terms of yeah. offering a experience, a full experience, like people are going to say, like, well, they're always going to have DLC characters. Sure, but the base roster needs to be an experience on its own. And I feel like a lot of games don't even bother with that. Four characters, you're good, and then we'll load in the rest someday. You know, it, like I get it. It's to give wasn't that the, like Killer Instinct's original model, but, the new Killer yeah. Instinct game? Yeah, the but new Killer original Instinct model. and Dead or Alive. And oh Dead or no! Alive, but Dead yeah. or Alive was ridiculous. Do you do you know how many DLCs there are for Dead or Alive Six? I I no. believe the count was like hundred thirty. No, that can't be true. James, we're in the thousands. No, there are so many costume DLCs because that was the entire focus of that game's development was making. To be fair, it costumes. was free. It was a free game, supposedly. Well, no, that was when it didn't sell as much and they made it last round. So Right, Dead or Alive yeah, 6 last round. They yeah. fucking switched it over to free to play and then they had all of these fucking costumes. It's out of control. Some of the ones you see there are packs of the DLC costumes. So like they were individual things on their own. They nickeled and dimed like absolute absurdity. And I get it, like you want content and you know cosmetics is the one thing that really won't interfere with the gameplay, but this makes me feel like I'm missing out on a full experience. It doesn't feel like this is extra or anything like that. So if anything, you're just making your con your your audience feel like they're not playing the full game. And apparently that doesn't matter anymore because some people will just literally keep going with the remains waiting for something to happen. And then they'll just fucking go on to the next one and there'll be no support, evolve. And then, you know, here we are. <laughs> yeah, and then here we are is right. Anthem, excuse me. I don't know where these things came from. I Sorry, I know I was far away from the mic there. Um... <laughs> I, I don't want to keep going about this topic because all we're really getting to here is one of the things that kills game for us is corporate greed. Uh, no, but he has a point to saying in terms of like unlockable characters. Give your give your something oh no, for sure. content other than just the base package. You know what I mean? And not just having it be a platform for you to buy more content. Give Be a full package. Um, and now it's worth noting though, and this is a point that I, I bring up a lot in this conversation, and it's because... Part of this is the consumer's fault. Yeah, because we keep buying Co it. Yeah. Well, not just do we keep buying it, though. We also think about the price of a movie ticket when we were kids. Mm -hmm. Five bucks, four bucks. What is the price of a movie ticket now? Double. 11, 12, 16. What was the price of a video game when we were kids? 50. 50, 60. 60. What is the price of video games now? 60. 60, 70. Well, no, that's not even entirely so, true. How much is the base package with none of the extra things? That's but, no, no, no. But before we get there, yeah. but 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 that's just it, though. That wasn't always that way. Mm. The point is that games got bigger and bigger and big. Video games have been sixty dollars since the Super Nintendo, if not more. Apparently, I've seen some crazy ads where they. In went some up. cases, yeah. yes, but. For the most part, Canadian. the average cost for a video game was like $55 to $60 for a game in the SNES era. Mm -hmm. That average only slightly has gone up recently for a base game. I know. But my point is, as games continued to get more and more complex, inflation continued, video game consumers 
demanded that the price not go up. Wait, okay. Hang on. I know this is a little victim blamey, but give me a second, okay? Because it's true. Because video games tried to increase the price and it was met with utter failure. So, corporate greed came in and goes, okay, no problem. We're not going to raise the price of the game. Of the parts of the game that we chopped up and gave you for your 60 bucks. Remember but, in the P- PS3 360 days, there was a thing called Online Pass. So you could spend an additional $10 if you bought your game used to play oh, online. To buy the license or whatever. What? Yeah, back, back then, 360 games, you had to buy a license to play online for each individual game. I this is kind that. of what you're you're talking about. A little bit, because, yeah. Because PS3 360, I think they tried to raise the price on the games. It yeah. was met with universal backlash. And then they were like, all right, but if you want to play online and you buy this game used for like $40 or $30, you are going to have to give us $10 to make sure you buy the, you play the game online. It, I remember, for example, Ghost Recon, one of the Ghost Recons, you have to pay... You still had to until like three years ago where they took that away. Granted, that's three years ago when we're already on the PS5 and Xbox, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I understand that they couldn't raise the base price and they added these extra season passes and bonus contents to sort of make up for what would be a price increase. However, the games themselves, even aside from the fucking like bonus content, the stuff that's supposed to make up for that price difference are now made with money-making systems in the base package. And they make enough money on their own to cover the difference for these newer games. Just so you know. A hundred percent. Okay, because then all this extra season pass extra shit is now unnecessary because the base game already is nickel and diming you for everything in the first place. But that was born out of that weird dynamic that happened where, like, they kind of got locked in. It's a really but weird thing. But now it's thing. blown now, out the is, other end is what I'm saying. Now it's yes. too much on the other side of the spectrum. 100%. 100%. Like, I'll take and a little bit of a really, base price increase if we don't keep getting predatory systems that keep gouging for more. Because it's that exactly. huge base price plus the whole system. I ugh. Exactly. I agree, and you use the right term for it. I would pay, honestly, for some of these games that I've enjoyed. Like, like the amount of hours I've gotten out of The Witcher 3 or any number of other games. Honestly, I could, in terms of my hour per dollar, if I paid $90 for The Witcher 3, that'd still be worth my time. This, this brings up another point, too, where it's like, we're at a point where video games can be priced individually. There's no, like, you don't need a base price for all video games. I mean, yeah, maybe for the so, AAA ones where that's the bigger whatever, but games are priced differently now. I mean, you have that in the indie game Exa- market, that's though. In kind the of indie game market, yeah. games are priced individually. But see, here's the problem with that, and it's corporate bureaucracy and bullshit again, is that, okay... So let's say I make, what's a, a good short game? Metroid Dread. Okay. okay. I've made Metroid Dread, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a great game, but it's relatively short. Okay. I decide I'm going to put out Metroid Dread for $60. 
Okay. Okay. So that individual pricing model that you were talking about now creates a environment where, okay, I've made Witcher 4. It's clearly a better, longer game than Metroid Dread, so I'm going to price this at $90. I just want to, I get what you're saying in terms of length, but like, you can understand that like, length of a game doesn't always amount to the quality of it. Some games are meant to be short and they're, yeah. I I, I know, that's that's the point of my conversation though, is that you are now putting, like you are now basically even further pitting video game companies against each other because they now have in their power to rate the value of other games. When you price your video game more expensive than another game, you're actively saying my game has more quality than yours. Either if that's gameplay or game time or whatever it is, you now are putting video game companies in the position where they can say my game provides more quality hours. So what's going to end up happening is Call of Duty is going to is going to is going to charge you one hundred and twenty dollars for the game because, oh, it's an online game that we provide unlimited content for. So obviously it's more it's more some some editions of COD are one hundred twenty dollars. I, oh Jesus! Yeah, this already happened. Like that's the thing, though, is this kind of already happens, and they already kind of overprice themselves with the different versions to be like they're doing that is what I'm saying. And I don't think it's it would be up to the game design because the thing is, I put out a movie, right? It's not like right. a three hour movie costs more than any other movie ticket. You see what I mean? Like yeah. there is a base video price. games and movies have the same price model. Right. And I just wonder, like, the amount of content in a game, it should... I guess you're right, because then it opens up for idiots to sort of be like, no, we have a ton of content, and it's super expensive. Mm -hmm. But guess what happens when that happens? Nobody buys it, because it's overexpensive. And then they learn their lesson on what to balance with. God, I'd hope nobody buys it. Has history proven that nobody buys it? God, I hope nobody buys it. history has also proven that we should stop pre-ordering games, and guess what? Uh, You know what? (laughs) Yeah. No, he's got a point. Look, I've always said, like, I, I don't like pre-ordering, like, season passes and, and roadmap content because we really don't see it. But in terms of, like, pre-order, hey, here's five bucks to reserve my copy at GameStop. I've never been entirely against that. But in terms of, like, oh, you've got to get pay the full thing and there you go. Like, this is, yeah, I don't know. I don't really agree with that either. Well, George, Bone King, come on, look at Back for Blood. You, you... You pre-ordered that thing to try it out and you mm. fucking hate no, it. No, 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 no. But see the difference here. I didn't put five bucks on it and say, all right, this is my reserve copy and I'll buy it later. I bought the whole fucking game in beta. I, yeah, no, I'm talking about people like you that buy the whole fucking game on pre-order expecting something more. No, and it no, never... no. I don't buy it. This was a rare instance where I did that and I regret it and I probably won't do it again. Uh, but we ready for the next topic? Yeah, please. Okay. I'd like to get into some more gameplay stuff because we've been talking a lot about the background shit. I got one. You actually had one Hmm? that I want to discuss because you. I want to see if it's the one you're going to bring up. Oh, no. That's another one. Yeah, we were talking a little bit before. No, that's Um, another one. So I got a lot of gamey ones. Don't worry. Okay. The one that I want to bring up is actually going to probably resonate with the dude a lot. Well, actually, no. Probably rude, too. You surprised me with your level of survival horror uh, know-how in these games. For real. Um, so, uh, stealth in horror. Okay, there's nothing wrong- Stealth in horror? No, this is not the problem. This is just me prefacing. I'm sorry, I understand why you'd be confused. My problem is strict mandatory stealth. 
where okay. there is no- evil within. Yeah, yeah, evil within. Um, the biggest proponent. Last of Us. Well, I didn't finish it, so I wouldn't know. You don't. I no, mean, but there's a lot more Last wiggle room us. in Last of Us. You can craft something yeah, to I do. Agree. Like if you give the players options to combat and move around, that doesn't. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is Outlasty slash. Outlast, uh, that's the game. Amnesia. Yeah, well, amnesia, amnesia has ways to get around and to, you know, physics. And there's something there, but some games don't. And I love, like, the world of Siren to death, but this is a reason why I probably mm. will never finish Siren in my lifetime. Because that game is so goddamn strict with its stealth segments. Like, you need to avoid uh, patrol routes of the Shibido. They're the, the evil cultists or whatever. And if they see you once, they shoot you on sight. And I get it, like it's supposed to be horror, but the horror starts becoming frustration and then it becomes annoying and then there's no horror at all. You know what I mean? That's funny. I, I have a counterpoint to this, but carry on. Okay, like I, I'm not saying you can't have a game where you don't have weapons and running away is viable. Of course it is. I actually like Shattered Memories. Weird, right? But like Silent Hill Shattered Memories, but like, uh, yeah, we know, but that Whoa, was it. Okay. I thought it was Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> you know how much of a dumbass I am? I actually checked my brain to see if there was Kingdom Hearts Shattered Memories. God damn it. Because it would totally be anyway. But like, I, I'm fine with stealth and horror. I'm, and even in some action games where it's just like the stealth is too strict. And if you don't make the perfect movement at the perfect time repeatedly, then you're fucked and just try it again from that checkpoint. And I honestly think it becomes frustrating and it kills the horror in so many games I play. Anyone else got uh, anything to add to this? Uh, I can see that. And I agree that like variety is the spice of life and that extends into video games. So having a variety of ways to solve a problem in a game, mm -hmm. do something, get around something, deal with an enemy, yada, yada, yada. Um, that is an enjoyable aspect. And when you feel restricted on the other side of yes. it, that can become like a deterrent. Like a, it, be, it can become like a, a leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But in a very similar thing to what you to what you express, but on the other side, nothing drives me crazier than when a game presents stealth elements and then doesn't let you use it. Well, no, well, the good games provide alternate ways. Like you can go loud or you can go stealth. The bad games always default stealth or, or always default action I'm, and uh, throw it out. I'm, I'm Wolfenstein Youngblood. Yo, Wolfenstein yeah. Youngblood. One of the character's primary abilities is the ability to turn invisible, mm -hmm. which implies a stealth mechanic to the game. Sure. Uh, and yet, like, a, look, you can ask Adrian, we played the game and we tried. I tried to be stealthy as fuck. I had all the weapons that had silencers. Those were the weapons I had equipped. I had the silencers equipped on them. I was uh, specced for silent uh, weapons. And, like, you shoot one guy and... Well, that's that's false advertising, though. That implies a gameplay yes. mechanic that isn't there. What I'm talking about exactly. is like the pacing of your stealth mechanic is grindy yeah, strict, which is a little bit different. Right. Like, I'm not saying you yeah, have to have true. a weapon. Like some games, you don't need a weapon at all. But like, and like in that game, it seems like it's like, hey, we have a stealth segment. 
but we really didn't develop it. So here's action. And then it just kind of runs with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I could probably say, and this is, this is very subjective. This is really me, but like, for example, if I'm going to boot up a sniper elite or a hitman, I know, okay, I'm going to be on one level for like at least three hours. Because I need to learn the the, the patrols. I need to right. learn how to kill them. And I need to see where the trial and error is. Like, can I go here without being detected or not? Uh, I feel that's just inherently time consuming. And that's what stealth brings to it. But I, I don't know if I ever had an instance like that. I, like what? Here, wait. Could, like what he's talking about with, oh. with Siren where it's just... Uh, uh, what what you call it? Very Grushy? very strict with its stealth. Grindy. Like, it, it's grindy. Because here's the here's the fucking like the iconic scenario that always happens here, and it happened in Akamanto, which is what I'm gonna bring up here, where there's just a killer out in the hall, and whenever the killer is nearby, you hear an auditory sound effect that says, "Hey, hide! The killer's nearby." Nothing is more fucking annoying than hearing the sound effect hiding, waiting for it to go away, getting out of the hiding spot, and then hearing the sound effect immediately again. And then going, mm. okay, I've gotta go hide again. And then it just goes that's, No, that's Evil Within 1 for me, hands Evil down, Within yeah. 1 did it all the fucking time. So like- Yeah, the whole the whole beginning is hide and seek, and it keeps the, the creature or whatever, the chainsaw guy keeps coming at you and you keep hiding and it never really lets you progress until you have to figure out a way to not hide anymore, but just evade. It's just the more than anything, but the game yeah. doesn't tell you that. Well, there are you ways. have to die like two or three times. Thankfully, even within there, there are some like combat options later on in the game. Think about games that give you no options to really get around. And it's just you're going to have to wait over and over again and it just stops it stops my gameplay dead in its tracks and i hate it so so here's the thing also george like you mentioned earlier about outlast i'm gonna be honest with you mm. i loved outlast one but i can't play it by myself because i'm too much of a chicken shit really yeah. okay i've uh, yeah no i get really like fucking scared and I and especially when you deal with like spirits and shit like that, not to spoil anything, but like when when you just you totally did, are, but whatever, keep going. <laughs> well, they don't know where it is. I know, so. but nothing in that game's advertising says any of that. But whatever, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, the game wasn't advertised, so Ooh, I really have. <laughs> I, I really do like get scared of the chase sequences and these things compared to that where I'm like. I have so much machismo bravado when it comes to Resident Evil or Evil Within because I have a gun. I could defend myself. That thing could die. If it bleeds, we can kill it. You know, that type of thing. But when it comes to like where you can't defend yourself, I'm shitting myself and I'm running and I'm turning off the game. I don't want to play. But I have a question for you because whenever Resident Evil starts, you're never at that point where you feel like you're equipped to handle anything. Handgun, you knife. You know what I mean? Yeah, and in the case of Chris, knife. Just knife. I've already, <laughs> but but sometimes, bro. Like, I guess it's because I know already there is a gun, and I have to find it. Mm. I guess I I'll be all right. And Chris eventually finds it like a minute into the game. You just run away from one zombie, and it's in the main hall. Right. But Leon, Claire, uh, Jill, Jill again in three. Uh, Claire and and Chris. 
obviously in Code Veronica and so on, they always have something to defend themselves. Right. In Outlast, you don't have shit. But that stuff you, you have use to camera. defend yourself with is not enough to defend yourself from everything they're throwing at you in that beginning. And that's why I kind of really liked Resident Evil's pacing in general, because it starts out as a more plotting horror suspense thing, and then towards the end, you overcome the fear, and it kind of becomes an action game by that point. All right. I don't know. It's a, I feel, I feel, no, I feel this, I feel Eagle and Wolf has hijacked this Yeah, episode, it's starting so. to creep in. What's the next topic? What you got for me? Well, I, 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 I actually like you to bring up the other topic you had because I want to talk about it. Oh, all right. So here we go. We're going to talk about degrading weapons, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I have a Fuck game. Breath that, of the Wild. Oh. <laughs> Everyone hates it. Does that game really need degrading weapons to really incentivize you to try different weapons? I just wanted to try stuff on my own, you know? I don't know if it needed it, but I think it served its job. I think it served the purpose. Well, it served it almost too like, look, much. But go ahead, yeah. I, like, I hated it at first, like, when I first started playing the game. But by the end of it, I became very under... Like, I, I, I thoroughly understood its purpose. Sure. And I understood the element of uh, tension that it can add to the game. I think, is it a... a cheap way of building tension into your game sure probably but it's not enough for me to say that it kills a game for me okay here's the thing and most of these things if done right and i know that doesn't really help but they could be done in a way that it's not so obnoxious i'm going to give some examples of degradable weapons that were actually fantastic um a, one okay. of my go-to examples is dead rising because Dead Rising, you pick up anything in the mall and it breaks after a few uses. However, you always know where to go back and get that thing again. It's it's never in short supply unless it's like a boss weapon. And even then, there's ways to get it back. So like, the, they break, but you can always replace it at any time, right? It's a lot easier to replace it. And it's never, never necessary to have a specific weapon in this game with degrading weapons. Now you're like, that's a okay. weird specific detail to throw in there because I have another uh -huh. game I'd like to bring up to the front. Um, you may have remembered oh, so it. so it's not Breath of the Wild. Okay. No, this is uh, Silent Hill Downpour. You may recognize it. It was here earlier. Oh. Um, this game has degrading weapons, which I get it. It's supposed to put fear or suspense, but as you've mentioned before, it's kind of a cheap way to do that. But whatever, yeah. it does it. But why it's done badly and why it kills the game for me is that... None of them really act any differently on their own. Um, when you break something, it's almost nigh impossible to find the same thing again because they're all so spread out in this open world where if you broke your fire axe, you better find a spawn location of a fire axe, like one of the very few that are nearby. It's not like Dead Rising mm. where there's a ton and it's limitless. No, it's like run around and find this if you want this weapon. Actually, run around and find that if you would like to open a door because some doors can only be opened with axes or some ladders only with fire gotcha. pokers. And guess what's really fucking hard to find in that game? Fire pokers and axes. So if you go around and the game constantly takes it from you, there are so many actions. I feel like everything on my list is in downpour and I don't want to do say that, but it's almost kind of true because the game takes weapons from you and those weapons are things you need to open doors. So fuck off, don't do that. And if it doesn't take it, it breaks it. So 
if you're centering your game around breakable weapons, don't make them a key way of getting around because it's inconsistent. And there are a ton of games where it's just inconsistent where you break your weapon and it takes forever to get that weapon back to the point where you just don't even want, you don't even want to bother. So Dead Rising did it right. It breaks, you find another one right away or something and it works. Ooh, that definitely leads me to one. Okay, well, hold on, dude. What you got to say about you? degrading weapons? Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Degrading weapons? Um, don't make fun of weapons. Well, <laughs> but uh, if they're into it, don't kink shame. That's right, actually. <laughs> Degradation weapons. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so, I understand when it comes to like things, for example, Metal Gear with degradable silencers. Hmm. You know, this is a stealth game. This is degradable silencers kind of like force you into this. Hey, this is the way to get rid of this obstacle, mm -hmm. but be careful and use it sparingly because if not, you're not, you're going to have to use a different tactic. I feel that's a good way to go about it. Um, well, I don't because you're, you're talking sorry? about, I'm sorry, I just want to clarify what you're saying. You're talking about like, oh, this first method didn't work. Find another way, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because in my example, well, like he's not even it's saying didn't work. He's saying like if you abuse the silencer too much, you will not have that as an option. Sure. And you now have to find another way to do it. That is totally yeah. Okay. Because you understand where mine is like it's a door and it yeah, needs yeah, yeah. A, a weapon no, sure. key. But yeah, continue. I'm right. Sorry. Yeah. But I don't really have games. I don't really play a lot of games where the weapons degrade that much. Other than it, it gives me something to to focus on. I guess right now I just remembered Fallout Three and New Vegas. Oh, crafting! Yes. Wow, you brought up a great point. Crafting really was, helps. That was this. my next point. Yeah, crafting really solves this problem with degrading weapons. Sorry, continue. No, and and it's something to to be mindful of. Hey, listen, this thing, it's it's fucking up on you. You better find an idea. A like type weapon and destroy that old weapon to fix this new one that you like you know that type of thing works for me yeah but when it comes to to other games uh, i guess the only real game that really like fucked it up for me was breath of the wild because i felt it was so easy to break like it broke in three or four swings it felt and I get that that's to promote switching no. weapons, but even then, like in a game like Dead Island. I said like, it felt, James. I know. I, no, you have to understand, James is very protective of Breath of the Wild. I gave it like a B and he fucking had my throat. So I don't even know. Like there's no getting through it on this. He, he is lost in the I, Breath of the Wild. <laughs> yeah. I, but um, I'm the outlier. I understand. I don't like Legend of Zelda, so it's fine. Oh God, we're starting this now. Okay, hold on. So no, no, games no, like no, Dead we're going Island back to crafting. Oh yes, but games like Dead Island and and Survivor and Dying Light, they have crafting, and the game is based around getting the materials to replace the weapons and use those weapons, as the dude was saying. Now, if the game goes fucking ham and says, you need 50 something something or others to craft something, then it's just fucking grinding. Because then you've got to return to locations again, materials to the point where you're actually able to enjoy the game, right? Right. Yes. It, 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 it becomes exhausting then. It's a job, it's not a game, it's not fun. Exactly. I work, I work already, I don't need another job. But Dr. Rude, you're big into, well, you're big, but you're big into crafting games, right? So like, this is a huge thing for 
<laughs> Hold on. <laughs> uh, I want either, and I know this is a very me thing, but we're in that part of the show now. Uh, I want either a fully developed crafting system or none at all. Yes. Yes. Don't give me a don't give me this this half crafting bullshit. They'll just have it for the sake like, of having it. Yeah, no. Yeah. Like I'm going to give you an example. It's one of the things I hate least about the uh, I I hate most about the game. Uh is Outer Worlds. Mm, okay. Uh Outer Worlds has a like weapon like it's not even crafting so much in this game as it is like weapon mods. But the weapon mod system oh, is so poorly explained. Like, for example, you can have a pistol, right? And then you find a pistol silencer, and it doesn't fuck. You can't put it on. You're like, all right, cool. That sucks. But then you find the same pistol later on in the game. And if just by chance you are an idiot and forgot that you already tried it once, and you try to connect the silencer to it, it works this time. I'm, because mm -hmm. the ability to attach the silencer was added with a later level of the gun. Meaning that the ability to attach something is an unlockable feature of a later version of the gun. That's just bad conveyance. Like It's really bad and it's poorly explained. And like, so like I, I, once I realized that I had to go back to like, oh, I had to go reacquire all of these mods now and see which ones do or don't fit on my ver on the versions of the guns I have now. And, like, shit like that. But that's just, like, one. Like, any... Again, I... It's, it's what I said earlier. Give me, like, a fully developed crafting system that you've spent time on or don't give me anything. Because don't just slap together some, like, bullshit system where you can build, like, a part and it uh, that's it and call it a crafting system. That's not what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. De like deliver on what you're promising me is is my is my. Point I mean, I'm here. surprised the dude hasn't brought up Dead um Dead Space Three, and how that game had an entire section devoted to grinding for materials to the point where they had a DLC little robot that would do it for you. Do, do you oh, remember yeah. that? And you had to pay money for a little AI chip to give him a voice too. So like it's it gets absurd. Like, have the system and pace it properly. I know that's maybe a tall order or something, but, like, be a little bit purposeful with it. You know what I mean? Don't just throw it in there. Uh, dude, you got anything to say about crafting systems? I mean, uh, I... The most broken one I ever saw was, uh, or used, rather, was Fallout 4s. And, I mean, it worked well for me, but yeah. the yeah. reason why I don't bring up Dead Space 3 is because I never played... Dead Space Three. Well, because you were oh. smart enough not to. Because like there were these all these. <laughs> no, because I mean I I got off after Dead Space One. I didn't I didn't continue. By the time oh. Dead Space Three came out, I finished one and I saw what three was, and it was basically Resident Evil Five in space. Well, no, that is a fucking disservice to Resident Evil Five. Okay, Resident Evil Five's <laughs> co-op is actually pretty stellar, and Dead Space Three's was not. Why? Do you not like RE5's co-op? Uh, I don't know if the word stellar is the word I'd use. Um, I mean, it, it's definitely not horror. I mean, that's not what I was implying at all, if that was <laughs> the case. No, no, no. I mean, I don't I don't know if stellar is the rating I would give I'm also extremely uh, Resident biased. Evil 5. I'm, I'm extremely that biased is... because A, Resident Evil, and B, I, I've grown to love that game over the years, so I don't know. 
I don't know what's wrong with me. I've gone crazy. Um, do you do you have another topic? Oh yeah. Well, that's the point. We're gonna have to cut this short soon mm-hmm. because we there, there's there's at least a whole other episode we can go into here. I mean, we spent a good chunk of this segment talking about just how corporate greed pushes us away from games. But there's so much we can go into, however. It wasn't specifically just corporation talk. It was what they do in the gameplay. You know what I mean? Because we we did talk about season passes and that stuff as well. But we also mentioned what that does to the actual gameplay. So, like, we are talking about gameplay stuff a little bit. Yes, sure. But, uh... But just so, yeah. So again, we, we have to keep that in mind that, and this is also for the freaks also. I mean, don't get me wrong. We want to hear your points, but we've got other points to make here. This episode, it needs a part two All because right. we can get, well, I mean, if there's anything we can do, it's we can bitch about something and the state of video games, there's plenty to bitch Eternal about. Eternal bitch. Love, but there's plenty to bitch about. However, <laughs> And this ties into one of my earlier topics in terms of like, and this is stepping away from gameplay for a little bit, but like gameplay or video games are about as fan driven a media as you can get. Like, I think the only thing I know that's, I know the music and all that, but what I'm talking about, like the content you produce needs to like is heavily dependent on your fan base and it drives me fucking nuts when video game companies don't take advantage at how easy it is to communicate with your fan base today Hmm, yeah that's true because it's way easier today than it was like when people were making video games for the nes for example you get me? Right. But even earlier on, like just GameCube or, or Xbox 360, like yeah. they weren't taking advantage of these roads. Well, they did. It also just wasn't as available to well, them. But in today's social media fucking environment that we live in, how are you not going to take advantage of the fact that the people that are buying your game are actively telling you what they want in your game? It's there. It is there for you. And yet you can see a ton of game companies just making things that nobody asks for. Well, look, my only defense, and it's not like I can't believe I am at the point where I'm about to defend like Square at all. But oh, Jesus. like, no, but like, it's not Who even really you? defending them. But like, especially after this NFT bullshit. Um, y- yes, Communicating with the fans is so much easier now. And if you have a dedicated space, like how Resident Evil is doing the Resident Evil ambassador program, like they're trying and trying to develop like a qualified, like some quality assurance in their communication because you could just get torrents of people saying bunch of different crap and like just different directions everywhere. And yeah, there's probably like a major arc, but they probably get so many different opinions that they just tune it out and do whatever they want. And that's why it's something nobody wants half the time. Fair. Which is not a good method. Kind of like a focus group in cinema? Yeah. I mean, kind of. So it's not like, it's not a good method because the game that we want doesn't get made. And I agree, that should change. It's just how do we communicate with these publishers in a way that makes them not want to just shut us up? That's that's a that's a whole topic of conversation in and of yeah, itself almost. Seriously. But 
Nonetheless, my point is there are just some publishers that just don't. That just at all. They're just completely disconnected from their fan. Konami. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, Konami is not disconnected. <laughs> Konami is actively hating their fan base. Yes. Like, exactly. It's That's not my just point. neglect. They are actively doing shit against them. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're right. But again, and not to talk not to be a one trick a one trick pony, but like for it and it has tons of bugs. But you cannot say that Crytek is not listening to its player base for Hunt Showdown. Because mm. they have made a ton of changes based solely on fan, on like its players' criticism and critique. And why? Because like they are actively there listening, like watching Twitch streamers. First off, they support their Twitch community like crazy. Sure. I love the way they support their Twitch community. And like you can see some of the top uh Hunt Showdown Twitch streamers, they're playing Hunt Showdown with the developers of the game. Right. It's a lot of multiplayer they, games focus on this, yeah. A lot of them, yes. But my point is like they are there like they are not just like the community is not a separate thing from the company. They are part of the community. But and that's my point. But James, what do you do when you're like dealing with the when your behavior with Dead by Daylight and you actually get a large influx of fans saying, "Please add sex to Dead by Daylight." Okay. So that is a point I was going to bring up is <laughs> yes, this point is weighed against your freedom as an artistic creator. Right. And my point is, I'm not saying you should bend the knee to every demand that your fans but make. But lend an ear. That's not the point. Yeah. But lend an ear. And it drives me crazy when you can actively... So this is less what kills a game and more what kills a game company for me. But when you can actively see a game company ignoring or in konami's case straight up being volatile against its fan what is wrong with you why what purpose does this serve you me or anybody in between i legitimately thought you were talking to me and i'm like what did i do <laughs> yes what does this serve you Ah. Uh, anyway dude do you have anything Uh, I got nothing. I feel like both of you have suffered way more than I have. It feels like I got to get on your level of suffering. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, uh, I, I am. Uh, well, that's my secret cap. I'm always suffering, but uh, yeah, I, I'm just a little, I'm just a little bitchier than you are is really what it is. Well, you're a glutton for punishment and I just bitch at anything that, that moves. Too. So like, that too. I don't know. I, I have a lot more and obviously we're not going to get into them. But it's just funny, I did not intend this, but like almost everything I said is in downpour. So uh, be sure to check out <laughs> Silent Hill Downpour. I didn't mean to pick only those that would apply to that. I promise you, I had other games like compared you to- You have that. streamed it, you can find it on your YouTube. Oh God, I did, and I point out every single thing I talk about there. I, I have one that I wanted to bring up, but I guess I'll save it for the next one. No, fuck it, go for it, it it's our I show. I promise it'll be fast. It's. Games that force you to walk to see a cinematic sequence. Huh? Resident Evil 6 is plagued with this. 
and okay. Downpour also has it. Final Fantasy VII Remake also has it, where they really want you to see an, a set piece that they set up, so they just uh-huh. make your character go, like, uh, half the speed, and they just jerk your camera to the thing they want you to see. I get it. It's because they want me to okay. see it, but it's it's so annoying when I'm trying to go forward and I'm just trying to get to the next part, and the game's like, well, "Aren't we so cool? Look how cool!" And it's like, "No." I, and this is again for me specifically. I don't think this applies mm-hmm. to everybody. I really don't. But it's like just holding up, waiting for me to get the chance to regain control of my character fully again and do stuff is kind of annoying for me. Let the set piece be a set piece, and don't try and get me to think it's cool. I guess I'm the only one who feels this way. Also, I thought you were going to bring up like unskippable cutscenes. That's or, what I was going to bring up real quick. I mean, quick. does that kill what? a game or, for me? I don't know. It kills a replay of a game for yeah. me. I thought you were going to talk about like walking slower than your escort. <laughs> while no. running faster than them and having to wait for them. There's a special place in hell for people who design that. Escort mission sure. is another tab and we'll be tackling that in the next episode. Believe okay. me, I thought about it. Silent Hill 4. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> that whole thing of the game forcing you to slow down is especially worse in, in replays. Village is just like tanked on your replays because it's like, okay, I get it. I got to do this part. That's a set piece, but I just want to play the active gameplay part. And well, eh. we're, I will say though about that set piece thing. And this is true for a lot of, uh, sequences like, uh, like, uh, cutscenes is we're reaching a point in gaming now where you used to not be able to do anything while loading the game. You get me? But we've reached a point in gaming now where your system can multitask enough where it can do something while loading the game. So a lot of times, that and cutscenes are really just there to hide a loading screen. Sure, absolutely. But every now and then, yeah, absolutely. But there's multiple cases in RE6 where it's like, we need you to see this set piece. Hold the B button to zoom your camera directly at it. This was a thing around that era. And it was just really annoying. I agree. This is one of those things that like it gets really egregious at times. And when it does, it's there's nothing like walking in downpour with a hallway that they're trying to build up as scary, but it's not. And they're forcing you to walk through it. And it's just like, mm. fuck off. There's no, and then a door will just slam in front of you. And it's like, was that it? I had to walk slow for 20 minutes for a door to close? Go fuck yourself. Sorry, it's annoying. It's okay. Tell me how you really feel. I'll tell you how I really feel uh, in the redux. <laughs> Dude, what you got? There you go. In part two. I don't think this is a redux. I think it's just part oh, two. No. This is going to be the sequel for sure. Oh, you will. Oh, gosh. And, uh, t- t- tune in for uh, question of the week. What kills a game? Ultra Instinct Mega Plus 2. Arcade edition. Uh, <laughs> Dislock DLC edition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We made the joke about it in the beginning of the segment, but we're totally teasing for upcoming DLC for no, this episode. No, because we're not charging anything. <laughs> Ours is free. Yeah. That's fair. Ours is free. Just You're right. your attention. We're Hello Games. That's all. It just uh, costs you. It just costs you your time. No, and let's energy. be real here. Listen to Fan Freaks is not free. It, it, this is definitely taking a toll on some people, and we appreciate that. Mental. Tolls. But if you're one of those people, make sure to reach out to us on our social media. Uh, you can you can find us on Twitter or or our Facebook group. That's F A N F R double E K S. Make sure and let us know what topics you'd like us to bring up on the follow up to this episode, and things that grind your gears in video games. What kills a game for you guys? Uh, you can find me personally. I am on Twitter at Dr. That's D R Rude MD. You guys? 
And uh, you can find me at Bone King TV on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. That's Bone King TV. And where can we find you, dude? I am at Adrian Doodliness on Twitter and at Adrian the Jesus 56 on TikTok. You can't change your username on TikTok. I nope. just found you that just out. Use your full thing right there. <laughs> uh. Well, it's my name and middle name, but whatever. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> um, no, I, I went into TikTok with Doctor Root MD. I was I made sure and set that from the from the beginning. I didn't even go into uh, TikTok, but <laughs> yet, shall we go ahead and get into our shout outs? Yes, let's do it. So as usual, we need to shout out our hunt boys. That's uh, Jeff, Scott, and Justin. I want to get. I, I need to take a moment here to apologize. Because last week I was particularly hard on Justin, and I really shouldn't with his condition. When it's it's not oh, that God. small, buddy. I promise it really isn't. Uh, <laughs> I also like to Christ. reach out. To, I'd also like to say thank you to my sister Cheyenne. I appreciate them so much, and to all the freaks that listen in, man. Thank you guys for you know being with us through the evolution of this fucking thing, dude. Oh. um... Lindsay Misleading, our residence of Tana Zatara, uh, Jesus Valentine, go fuck yourself, Nicholas Uritic, uh, the Robot Stone Age crew, Cody, CJ, Kehlani, uh, Paul Fusek, and a new uh, addition to my shout outs, Oscar Ortiz, one of my homeboys from Georgia. He's been listening lately. Awesome. Nice. Thank you, Oscar. Thank you. Um, by the way, you keep saying you want to fuck your Valentine. I hope they do it eventually. Um, <laughs> February's right around the corner, buddy. Uh, so here comes my shout outs. We got Von Condersmite, Squinty, Screechy Kai, Julian the Czar, Megan Peepo, Crows of the Damned, which is super chill and cool. Thank you so Chris, much for chilling. Yeah, yeah, Chris is awesome. Stopping into my, my, my streams. He plays Dead by Daylight. It's, there's so many things. Um, no, Chris is really cool, people. Yeah, no, really. And he's actually super supportive on the Twitter. Look, it's really rare to find people. That he's, actually, he's, yeah. a, he's a super supportive dude. Yeah, sorry. I, didn't, I just wanted to put that seriously. Um, Lindsay Misleading, Azumi Chenmaru, CJ to DJ, Boogle, Burnsy, and an extra, extra special thank you to Beefy Sumo for being so goddamn generous. I, I don't even know how to uh, I, I react to this because, okay, Beefy sent me something. Um, in the mail, and it was a gift, and it- Yes, he sent you something. I, yes, I know, I was, uh, I'm sorry, okay, I was just like, hey, I didn't know, I didn't know, and I was just like, hey guys. Beefy's a really weird cat, because he said, hello, my little chicken, on Discord That's that's me, how he I starts. I don't know how to respond to no, that. No, that's how he opens conversations, that means he likes you, that's a good thing, don't worry about it. But, but they, but, but he got me a freaking liquor mask, like, the Resident Evil fucking, like, it's a mask. Oh, I was so confused. It was so, it's so fucking cool. And the tongue comes out. I was like, holy shit, this is radical. I, I was definitely not anticipating anything like this. And he got me a coloring book that is a bunch of dicks. So I can color in the dicks. And I got to show the cub, the person who drew the cover what's up. Because on the cover, it's like this big green dick. And they've obviously never seen a dick before. So I have to, you know, get it right for the book. Um, and the first you were, you're the man for the job. That's damn right. I, I will make sure they are detail accurate. Um, but beyond that, no. I'm sure you will blow that job out of the water. <laughs> Carry on. Hopefully some, you know, that hard work ethic rubs off on me. Um, uh -huh. Either way, seriously, Beefy, that is insanely generous, and I really do appreciate it. Um, I think that's it. We're good to go. That's it. We'll catch Wait, you later. Uh, oh. Oh. Hold on, James. I don't think you included Scott in your. I did. I just changed the order of it. 
Oh, okay. It was just it was Jeff Scott, and then I I, I dug in on uh, <laughs> scrap. No, it's Henry. <laughs> well, just in honor of Justin, touch some grass, bud. Touch some grass, bud. Jesus Christ, that kills. <laughs> Alrighty, a game. freaks. We'll catch you guys later. <laughs> Touching grass kills a game for me. I can't. Not being able to pet the dog. No, save it for next time. Save it for next time. <laughs>